morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I'm Michael Salavari, and we're talking today about the upcoming 24 hours of Spa-Francorchamps, the, the, the second, the third, the third of the big endurance uh, 24-hour races of the year. And joining me today, I have Chris Washer. Hello. Hi, Hi. how's it going? It's going somewhat okay. There's... We're in we're in lockdown, but that's fine because we have motor racing to watch. And also, who the hell is this guy? Who me? Yeah, you. Who? Who, who, hey, are, who you? are you? Hey, it's good to be back. It's Hi, been I'm it's Chris. been it's been how long, Kiwi? Security. <laughs> it's been good. What six seven months? I think. Yeah, blimey! Welcome back. It's good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back in my new apartment, high over the suburb of Brunswick. Oh my word, it has been so long. So if you've, if you've missed us in the meantime, so in the last six months, Kiwi has moved house and then moved house again and is also now in lockdown. Woo! Great times, well, well. great times down under. Um, <laughs> before we crack into it, I uh, just want to say thanks to us once at the RacingLine.app now on Android. And Kiwi, why don't you give us a few more details about that? Okay, so we all know that motorsport events starting across multiple time zones can be harder to follow than a Thomas Bach opening ceremony speech. (laughs) So the racing line app makes us a breeze. Find out when all your favorite series and Formula One sessions are due to begin. With a slick interface and reminders to make sure you're more awake than Flood and I are currently, it's well worth your small investment. Download the racing line app from the App Store or Google Play today. Yeah, we should put out more content. Anyway, Kiwi, seeing as you're, <laughs> seeing as you've been away for so long, you've had plenty of time to come up with 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 a plan for this one. Yes, I have. So why don't so, you take the reins? Okay, give me here. I'll just uh, settle up. Here we go. Oh All boy. Right. Oh boy. Saddling up. Yep. So spa. We know it. We love it. It's a. Uh, obviously, we know it's a. Tr- tr- it's a track steeped in history. Uh, and this race, the 24 Hours of Spa, is a race that has had a gr- massive history from production cars to all the way up to now, the GT3s. And we're expecting 58 cars this year to race around the 7Ks. And it's one of the best racetracks in the world, without question. I think you guys would agree with that? It's certainly up there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a racetrack, I think, where everyone wants to... Where everyone wants to win everyone wants to race like this week we have what british gt coming as well uh, yeah we have british gt gt4 european series uh, mm. uh not, maybe maybe not, uh, maybe not the european series uh french gt which is uh basically for uh, gt4s then you have the open wheelers with british formula 3 and formula regional european championship or maybe one more series on there that i'm forgetting but yeah it's all part mm. of sort of speed week it's sort of a hype well, yeah. Before the Spa 24. Because I was reading, th- reading today, even um, CEO of McLaren is going to have a run here, Zach Brown. Whoa, wait, what? He's going to be driving? Yeah. Not in this race, but in the GT4 Oh, races. my word. So that's sort of caliber. You, If you're into motorsport, you want to race here. Are you going to say, Michael? Oh, no, that is that is absolutely true. <laughs> it is it is one of the like, pillars of motorsport history that exists around the world. Mm. So, brief rundown on the history. We know... Those of us in history know that this place started. It's basically a route between three towns: La Source, here, so Stavelo, and Malwitty. Wow, you butchered those names completely. <laughs> I'm, I'm not French or Belgian. Uh, so yeah, it was a 15k layout. They basically connected those three towns. Then 
throughout time, people have gone, mm, this is quite an unsafe circuit. So they made it a 14K track, which was faster. And then realized, oh, actually, this is probably inconvenient and unsafe. And the master kink is, holy crap, this is bad. So they decided, okay, we'll build this seven kilometer rolling track through the Melbourne, through Melbourne Hills. Wow. We're off to a great start, lads. <laughs> through the hills of Belgium. And that and that's left us with a seven kilometer track and love today. Gents, what makes Spa so amazing? I'll let Chris I take the floor with this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that um, even the most littlest events at Spa, it's just so entertaining. Like uh, International GT Open, I believe, raced here uh, a couple weekends ago. And it was just awesome. And the support races were awesome. They had like Renault Clios, I think, uh, Caterhams, uh, Alpines. Um, the track can make anything look good. And the fact that um, we're having an interesting event added next year, I think, uh, the FIM Endurance World Championship, the bike counterpart to the WC, is having a 12-hour, 24-hour race here at Spa. So wow. anything can race here, uh, depending on your opinion. Uh, safety wise and if they should or not but anything can go here at spa it's one of the kind of like almost like one of the last frontier tracks in europe where uh has an old school feel absolutely wow bikes at, uh, at O'Rouge just sound terrifying uh yeah i'm gonna echo what, what chris said it's it's steeped in in history and despite all the changes that they've made to bring it down into a more manageable modern type circuit it still has corners with cojones it's it's still got corners that terrify you and each corner here has its story and it's it's been around long enough that uh it's got enough sort of history each one of these you know corners are iconic in their own right and as as chris that makes it makes it uh any race here uh, an absolute joy to watch because you you never know what's going to happen you know don't not only do you have one of the longest track layouts in the world at 7.004 kilometers off the top of my head i think um but it's also nestled deep into the Arden forest and who knows what might happen when it comes to weather and we've certainly seen weather play a part in the the spa 24 in the past and that's that's something that Based on recent happenings, we are almost guaranteed to have again. Absolutely. We'll touch on that in a second. I just wanted to add as well. I think I said a couple of years ago, this is the perfect racetrack. Um, And I still maintain that opinion. Every corner on here is a different sort of challenge. Obviously, you've got the source hairpin. First corner, it's important to get that right as you blast your way up to full, full tilt. Uru's ready on. Don't need to talk about those. We know how awesome they are. And how terrifying they are. How terrifying they are! How if you get one inch offline, you're going to have a slightly small accident. Slightly small accident. A slightly small accident where you're going to ride off a car, or two, or yeah, wow, damn, yeah, just happy. Uh, <laughs> okay, Bob Ross. <laughs> then coming down Kimmel Straight, and then Lacombe, the second heavy braking point, a tricky corner to get right as well. I just love that whole section. I it's, it's it, a test of. Bulls commitment, bravery, and it's just so much fun to watch, especially it, at night. It does have a little bit of everything. I, I remember, I remember when you said that you thought a Spa was the perfect racetrack, and I think it's almost true. I, I think it's a something that I've used to describe it. It's a, it's a high downforce circuit connected by massive f off straights, and I think that is a. Uh, 
that is how you would describe Spa Francorchamps. It's a really difficult engineering uh, and setup proposition because you have the combination of these fast flowing corners and sometimes some very slow and very difficult corners, but also these long straights between them to make it really difficult to find that compromise point in a setup. Sorry. Um, and then you get down to the more technical second second sector and some of the most iconic corners here. You've got Brussels, Puhon. Puhon especially is a mm. corner I've never got right in the sim, ever. It's just so much fun. The double left-hander downhill. Is it even off camber? A little bit on entry. Yeah. There. Have you ever got yeah. any corner right on a sim, Kiwi? Um, no. <laughs> and then you come through the group. And then you come through Campos Stavolo, and that's the end of sector two. Um, and once you get through that, then you come across one of the scariest corners I think in world motorsport, Blanchemont. But they're doing close to three hundred on entry, very baby lift, tuck it in and just hope your tire hasn't given way. Now, Kiwi, you're listing mm-hmm. off all the corners and I can name something that's synonymous with a lot of them. That's gonna be track limits, as we know during Spa 24 weekend, track limits is a huge issue. Lots of people try to go past off the curve, the little white line that differentiates what determines off track and on track. Um, and we've seen controversies in the past where during the day, they'll call it every single time. They've been pretty good at that, I, I, I believe so. But then at night, it gets really hard to differentiate because you can't really see out there. Not in the webcams. I assume they use like CCTV cameras to... Uh, and the marshals reporting it back to the tower. Um, sometimes it can be hard to tell, so people get away with it a lot at night, and then those same actions, those um, bad habits, continue on in the morning, then they get caught, and teams get mad. So it's definitely going to play a part in the race. Oh, for sure. And just how you manage that, hey, because track limits, if you get a warning in the first two hours, which we've seen before, then that's 22, 22 hours of absolute tiptoeing, and that can ruin your race, because the drive-through penalty here is no small penalty, because you go through both the pit lanes. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because, of course, you've got the, the main pit lane, but we're running, what did you say, 58 cars? Um, 58 cars this year? Yeah, so that means that they do run both pit lanes, and so a drive-through penalty is easily a one to two, a one-and-a-half-minute hit to your lap time. And that will, in most series, would put pay to your race, but we'll get to that in a second here. Um, now, Flood, you mentioned before about weather. Unfortunately, we've seen weather take an absolute toll on this race already uh those of you keeping up with the fears have seen that there's been massive flooding through germany belgium and parts of europe recently uh spa itself has been damaged from that um some access roads are closed and i don't believe they're actually being fixed um some of the um access roads have been damaged and even the track got damaged in the first instance in june mm. um so that's not obviously not ideal and also it's cost us freaking daily racing this year yeah, that is very sad. Right, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about the um, we'll talk about the the track damage first. So there was an article put up on Daily Sports Car uh, just last night for us down under, uh, going through the extent of the damage. We saw some pictures uh, earlier in the week of uh, the the tunnel that goes underneath Eau Rouge, literally f- like filled to the very top with this uh, brackish black black brown water so the, of course the floods in in europe at the moment have been devastating have left a bunch of people homeless have left a bunch of people uh 
you know, injured and uh, has caused a bunch of damage and also some loss of life, which is actually uh, quite sad. So uh, our condolences and our thoughts with everyone who's being affected. Um, but for Sparfrangrochamp specifically, they are actually in the process right as we speak of resurfacing a bunch of the pit lane and a few of the access roads. There's one picture that got shared in this article of the uh, the main road, the main access road for... I'm trying to find the details of it specifically. Uh, the freight access road just completely destroyed, like, just a pile of rubble and trees. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of work still to do, but hopefully... It may, hopefully everything will be ready to go for next week with thing, fingers, arms, legs, toes, and eyes crossed. Hips. Maybe. Hopefully. Well, yeah, well, they're, they're, they're definitely trying to get it done because right now they're doing trap repairs and the uh, British GT Championship being the main course of the weekend here uh, is using the F1 pits. Um, so, they're, any, so I presume that means there's damage in the regular main pits. Um, I, I by F1 pits, I I don't know what, if they mean the old F1 pits or the main It'd be the pits new ones, the up the upper be, F1 okay, lane. be the new ones, okay. So they're actually they're actually resurfacing the entire bottom area at the moment. So the the lower pit lane, they're actually resurfacing the entire like paddock area of that. Okay, so significant, yeah, significant damage, and of course, Frickadelli. They were they were bringing two Porsches. And they were probably going to be two Porsches that were going to be close to the podium as well. Yes, big sad. Big sad for the Frickadelli. Mm. Especially after the events of the Nürburgring 24-hour and the whole uh, echo everything and how that race went for them. It would have been great to see them come to arguably the most competitive GT3 event of the year. Uh, and we'll I'll touch on why I say that in a moment. Um, and put up a really good challenge, but yeah, they had decided to pull out to. Uh, is did they pull out to support the disaster relief effort, or just because they couldn't justify leaving the uh, Nurburgring? I think a lot of the team actually come from that region. Yeah. Okay. So as much as about saying, oh, this is certainly not the right time to go racing. Yeah. Which is totally fair enough, and it's a shame because Frickadelli, I think, are the nice one of the nice guys ever race. Yeah, I hope uh, what they do uh, broadly with this event is what they did uh, at the Bathurst 12-hour last year um, before, you know, the world got plunged into whatever this mess is now, um, but focusing on uh, disaster relief for the fires at the beginning of 2020 in Australia, um, where there was a big push to support to those who have lost their homes, lost families, lost loved ones, uh, and hopefully... uh, an event such as this can do some good in the community. Yes, we can. We can certainly hope, and uh, it's, it's tough, but life does go on, and we should put now put our focus as much as we want to look at the past. Put our focus on the events of next week, and we'll um. Well, before we get into that, we should talk about where this GT3 championship is at, because of course Spa is a round of the Endurance Cup, the GT World Challenge. Europe, powered by AWS and sponsored by Fanatec. Um, get that sponsors in. Get those sponsors in. Yes, because they're paying me totally. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is the correct me if I'm wrong. Third endurance round. Oh yes, M- yes. Uh, it is. Monza and Paul Ricard with the first uh, two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. 
Um, and the series so far has been, well, you mentioned it before, Fudd, competitive as all hell. Yes, but I, I'd say that this race in particular is the most competitive GT3 race that exists. And we all, like, I, I, I won't say it's the best, but I'd say it's the most competitive. I mean, we all love the Nürburgring 24, but that's very much the, the love child of the German manufacturers and the German teams. Normally, the Bathurst 12-hour goes off, but that hasn't happened this year. But everyone brings their big guns to the Spa-Francorchamps. It is the race that every team wants to win because it's the race that everyone is at. Uh, and the way that the championship has been going this season, um, it has shown that uh, there is there is a lot of competitiveness up and down the field. And so for the big 24-hour race, this has to be the one that everyone wants to win. If you're in a GT3 car. Yes, which, you know. Are you in a GT3 I'm, car? I'm not in a GT3 car, but... There are 60 or 58 GT3 cars here across four categories. And if you look at where we've been so far, um, so we had the precursor, the Paul Ricard six hours, uh, won by GPX Martini, Earl Bamba, Matty Campbell, and Matthew Gemini. If it wasn't for the fact that they retired from the first race in Monza, that'd be, that'd be top of the standings right now. Uh, first race, you go on. And, and they were in the mix in that first race as well, weren't they? Mm. They were. I think it was an electrical gremlin then that killed they killed them off. That that sounds plausible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and obviously the Monza round won by Dynamic Motorsport, which is a team when they had their first win a couple of years ago, we were like, Holy crap, who are these guys? They've gone and done it again. They are based out of Monza, if I'm not mistaken. They are. That was Klaus back from Matteo Caroli and Christian Engelhart. But you look through the entry list, you've got drivers of such quality. You've got the Van Thor brothers, you've got Jules Gournon, you've got Calvin Vanderland, Raffaele Marciello, who is currently second in the champion, in the overall when you combine the Sprint and Endurance Cup Championship. And then you get down here some of the best AM drivers in the world, some of the best Pro-AM drivers. It's 60, it's 24 hours. And unlike, say, Le Mans or Nürburgring, we have multiple classes on track this is 58 cars doing similar pace doing similar lap times the difference is the quality of the drivers and that can make for some really tense moments and i just can't wait it's going to be very very interesting indeed because of exactly that you, you kind of end up with the big old train of cars because the gt3 cars are all doing about the same pace uh and that has a few different run-on effects but i'll let chris talk about his thoughts and opinions on that before I go too deep down the rabbit hole. Sorry, I had to grab some water because I was... Uh, what was that? Chris! Sorry, it's hot here. It is. Oh, well, I take off all your clothes. Um, <laughs> uh, what were we talking about, Kiwi? Uh, you're going to... Chris, talk to the competitive of the series and what makes this series so crazily competitive. Yeah, so the series is um, obviously one of the must-watches for me uh, live. Um, and the fact that, let's see, look at Monza, for instance. We had a bunch of tire issues, sort of, you know, Pirelli, you know, British Grand Prix moment. Um, lots of tires are going down. Lots of people, I believe, are trying to stay out on the wets, and their tires just kept going. Or they tried it was either people trying to stay out on the wets or people trying to stay out on the dries. I can't remember which uh, the finer details of that, but tires are blowing. That was the main part of the story at Monza. 
and then we had power card which if i do remember it was kind of a very a strategy race until the last i think we had like a safety car or a full course yellow in the last hour or two and i want to say the dynamic porsche took the win in that event all the way um, around it, but dynamic won at monza no well, that's right man okay the um so we're in for a great race here uh we should talk about some of the regulations though because you've talked about how competitive the series is and how there's usually 30 cars fighting for that top top position in pro class for example the regulations of the series make that make that possible but they also really really suck in my eyes i'm talking about the pit, the pit stop regulations here yeah, and this is something that oh, right. someone someone new to endurance racing might not immediately see as a, a, as an issue. So, uh, for those who haven't seen the twenty four hours of Spa in uh, previous in previous editions, the the long and the short of it is that uh, the stints are mandated to be a maximum of sixty five minutes, uh, unless a full course yellow or safety car uh, comes out basically immediately before that. Uh, so, what that means is that you, ha- you can only do a maximum of 65 minutes between your pit stops. Uh, and then on top of that, there is a minimum pit stop time. Uh, so if you refuel the car and change tires, there is a minimum amount of time that is allowed to take. Uh, on top of that, uh, at some point during the race, there must be a five minute or four minute, um, what's called a technical pit stop. Uh, so the, the idea behind these things is to, uh, remove congestion in the pit lane and to, uh, allow teams to use some less efficient equipment, some cheaper equipment, and also not spend 50 million years training and, uh, practicing pit stops, uh, for the crew. Uh, in effect though, it does have a, uh, the unwanted drawback of, standardizing the the race so to speak uh yeah i oh what 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 basically ends up happening is you end up with everyone effectively on the same strategy without deviation because it is the optimal strategy to pit basically at every 65 minutes um which you know helps keep the train all together in one big old line uh and uh helps keep the race really really close which are all you know good things but what it does lose is an element of variability in strategy it loses an element of the team performance and the uh how the pit stops uh can make or break a a race victory uh it i I remember seeing a blog post by paul truswell who talked to one of the team members saying that they were they were punished for they, they felt like they were getting punished for their success by turning a car around quicker than their competitors um so it is one of those things that helps kind of standardize the race and keep it all nice and close but also uh reduce the flexibility and strategy options i don't know chris what do you think yeah i think in my, in my personal opinion i do understand why they do it but i think they should do away with it with the pro cars um it just it the fact i, I just I, I just love strat a good mm. strategy race. I love this way things play out. And I don't know if you mentioned about the uh, the technical pit stop. I can't remember if you mentioned it or not, but yep. they do have a mandated uh, stop for like brake changes and stuff. And it's not nothing new uh, to Spa. 
the, the, the 24 hours of Fuji uh, do, does that as well. So it's not just a spa thing for the mandated uh, brake change pit stop. Um, but it, I would say on the bright side, trying to look on the glass half full kind of things, it's unique to spa. It's something that's unique to this race. Uh, you don't see it anywhere else apart from maybe uh, other IGTC events, but it, 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 it adds to the character and you don't see it anywhere else. So that's kind of my glass half full kind of <laughs> way of looking at it. Yeah. It that, doesn't happen anywhere else. That is, that is a good point. Uh, I mean, the, the other big GT3 uh, events like the Bathurst 12 hour uh, was going to bring in these regulations and then got the <laughs> most incredible backlash to the point where they were like, okay, we're not going to do that. And that was yeah, fantastic. No. Well, um, that's because that's because that was just anti the antithesis of what Australian racing is. Exactly, uh, what... and, and of course, it was the antithesis of what happened in that year's Bathurst Twelve Hours. This was off the back of 2019, where you had six different cars from six different six different makes all trying to go about getting the win in six different ways. So to standardise that would have been ridiculous. But anyway, um, but yeah, so the Nurburgring Twenty Four has its own pit stop standardisation, which works for the Nurburgring because it's a 24 kilometer track. Le Mans has its own way of doing things. Uh, IMSA has its own way of doing things. And I guess this is the IGTC way of doing things. Uh, I can certainly, uh, yeah, as Chris say, understand it. I don't have to like it, uh, but I can, yeah, I can certainly understand it. Um, there was something else I wanted to add here. I think knocking it off for the pro cars is a good thought, and I hope that they do that. Also, uh, some teams are so good that they do their brake changes in their normal stop and then just spend their technical stop like repairing damage or washing the car or you know some other stuff um, which is yeah. kind of okay I guess yeah I mean hey if they're good enough to do it right exactly yeah but I don't as much as we talk about those regulations I think the biggest scourge for me at the moment is not to do with the pit stops themselves it's what happens on track. We're seeing a pre- uh, increased prevalence lately of full course yellows being called, then the safety car being called. I think that's the standardization because it happens basically almost every time. And mm. I don't know why they would do that. It's, I mean, they the argument they've used is that it's safety. They don't want 20 cars taking off in a small split section of track at the same time when full course yellows are reduced. But what you do you completely compromise the racing completely it kind of defeats the purpose of having a full course yellow as as a thing doesn't Mm. it yeah i mean i can understand having a full course yellow to slow everyone down before having a safety car but the point of the full course yellow is to remove the small incidents you can remove fairly easily like a car stuck in gravel which you don't need a safety car for i can tell you feel very passionately about this chris this is just a regulation that needs to stop and needs to stop now. And I have a mind to fly to Belgium, even though I can't because of lockdown, to smash Stefan Rattel up the side of the face. <laughs> it's it's almost like it's almost like IMSA. It's almost like watching an IMSA race, basically, where they just except they don't use the full course yellows, but you get that mean where they just completely do a safety car for a car that stopped on track that just could be, you know, done under local yellow or FCY. Um, and I mean, bright side it brings the pack back up people who are maybe ahead of the leader trying to get the lap back they get their lap back obviously not like imsa they do like a lucky dog sort of situation but like but the safety cars 
they take a while. And there's normally at least one incident every year where there's Armco that needs, which that's that needs to have a safety car for. So leave the safety cars for those type of incidents and not for the measly little Bentley that's trapped in the sand trap somewhere. And on top of that as well, because of the function of the 24 hours of Spa where it has 58 cars at Spa-Francorchamps, which is, as we've made mention, one of the most challenging racetracks in the world, there is this settling period which can take sometimes 4, 5, 8, 12, 20 hours wherein there will be a string of incidents where drivers will get straight into a car and have an accident and then there will be a safety car and then they'll go green and they'll have an accident there'll be a safety car and low that keeps snowballing and uh, the the yeah trying to to minimize that by having the the full course yellow for the smaller accidents would be a great way to do so um but it this has been something that's gone back all the way to like 2016 2015 when full course yellows first became a thing that people started doing yeah, it just seems to be the SRO way of doing things is you go full course yellow and then you you go full course yellow, you clean up the incident and then you go safety car. It's like, well, what's the point? That's, yeah. So it, it does have the affection, uh, intention, sorry, the effect of basically, like I liken it to, to having like your cutoff point uh, of being a lap down. And once you are a lap down, there is really no coming back. There is no, as Chris said, there is no lucky dog. There is no uh, pass around. Once you are a lap down at this event, you might as well just put it in the garage because there is no yep. coming back. Yep. And that just, I don't think it's what GT3 racing is about. I, I don't no. think we should be gifting them a lap back, but they should have a chance to get it back at least. Yeah, exactly. But anyway. let's talk about some good things about this, this series and this race. Yes, we should. Uh, shall we talk about the race itself? And the entry less than the 58 cars that will be doing battle. 58 cars? Yep. <laughs> uh, we've, got 24, we've got 24 pro cars, which is in itself a great race. Then That's got... basically like a national GT3 series grid right there in terms of size. I, I wish the Australian GT series had 24 cars. 24 pro GT3 cars. That'd oh, my be God. Oh. Add into that 14 Pro-Am Cup cars. 17 Silver Cup and three Am Cup cars. It's a field full of talent. And shall we get stuck into it? Uh, before we get stuck into it, uh, Chris, can you give us an explanation of what these classes mean? Yeah, so the pro cars are going to be their all pro lineups. Your platinum and golds and some, some super silvers, the ones that can get away with. But these are the guys that most likely they race full-time in the series um or if they don't they picked up some uh some uh, off the road drivers obviously with the spot 24 nothing major as far as on my radar is clashing sports car wise so they can bring in all these drivers no problem uh pro-am as you see here we got th uh 14 cars here they need i believe they need a bronze Two bronze, in, I believe. Yeah, they need so that that's their that's their handicap, and now obviously you're allowed uh, golds and silvers to offset the uh, bronze driver. And normally we see some pro am cars a little bit high on the entry on on the entry during the last parts of the race, uh, just due attrition alone. Then we have ams. These are your pay drivers, completely you know 
non-professionals. They work their day jobs. Um, I there has I know there. I believe no golds, no platinums. It has to be bronze and silvers only. Um, although there's some silvers in here, like Nico Menzel, who maybe should, should be, probably should be in a pro-am car at least, but we'll get to that later. And normally, they have a fourth class here for 991 cup cars. That's not a thing anymore. They got rid of it. Only gave like only got like three cars anyway. Uh, we have the silver cup. Uh, which has 17 cars. Now, obviously, this is mostly silvers. There's a couple golds and, and bronze sprinkled in there, like like on top of your ice cream dish. But this is mainly silvers. This is their time to shine. Then we got some noble entries here that we're going to talk about later. I believe we got Bentley in here. That's going to be the talk of the town. Yeah. Uh, silver cap, which mentioned no platinums allowed. So that's nice. their, that's their um, stipulation there. Silver sprinkles are my favorite kind of sprinkles. Uh, if they're not Mercury sprinkles. Oh, no, don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, shall we get cracking then, lads? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so we'll start where we start with the Pro Cup, the uh, all-pro entries that are likely to be gunning for overall victory. Uh, we'll break this down. We'll go manufacturer by manufacturer, um, of which we have, from count, 12 manufacturers in this race. or twelve. There's, there's 12 GT3 manufacturers. There's one, two, three, four, five... Eight, six, eight in the eight in the Pro Cup class, and the first of those, the sole entry from Aston Martin, the Garage Fifty Nine, number ninety-five. Get your numbering right, guys. Come on, number ninety-five, Dane Train, Nicky Team, Marco Sorensen, and Ross Gunn. Ah, the Dane Train. Ah, great stories of times past. Yeah, this is a, a scary-looking car right off the bat. Uh, it is. Team and Sorison, of course, uh, former uh, WEC entries. Uh, and Ross Gunn has had his moments as an up-and-coming uh, Aston Martin driver, has had his good moments, has had his not good moments, um, but is certainly a quick driver on track. The worry for me in this team is longevity, uh, making sure that they stay with the, the lead of the pack throughout the entire race. If they're able to do that, they might be in for a shout at the end. Well... I think Chris can attribute to this, but Aston have never done well at Spa, and I think no. <laughs> well, if you talk, if you're thinking lower classes, they might have a couple class wins, but their pro their pro entries um, haven't been doing too hot here in the 24 hours of Spa. And want to mention Ross Gunn? I believe he's filling in for uh, can't remember. Who, I think it's Andrew Turner, or who, who has COVID. Or- yeah, Darren Turner. Um, I believe that's the guy who's filling in for for British GT because of COVID uh, protocols. So he's going to get some track experience the week before the event. That's going to be a massive help to that team and to him. Um, so we'll see how this Aston team turns out. I want them to do well because Aston Martin never really generally does well in these GT3 races. Also, I just realized Russ Gunn's still only 24. He's yes, he's he been around for a decade. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it does feel like that. That's, that's sort of how these uh, young professional pathways work nowadays. Like, if you think about it, Phil Hansen has been racing. This is Phil Hansen from United Autosports fame. Uh, he's been racing for, I think it's four years, five years. And he's 21. Yeah. <laughs> how terrifying is that? It's crazy. crazy. Uh, Ross Gunn has also had, a, had some success in the IMSA side of things this year in the GTD class. So... 
this car, if they can get the get the car together, and Garage Fifty Nine is an all right team to do that, they're not without a chance. I think if you compare them to the rest of the entry list, they are an outside chance at best, but we will see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, so we'll move on now to we have to our Audi conglomerate. We have five Audis in this race, uh, starting with the two from Santa Lock, numbers 25 and 26. So the 25 car piloted by Marcus Winkelhock, Patrick Niederhauser, and Christopher Hasser. And the 26 piloted by James Green, Finlay Hutchison and Adrian Tambay. So you definitely got the centerlock young guns and the centerlock experience heads there. Yes, and let's focus on the experience heads first. Uh, Winklehawk has been a master of GT3 racing for quite a long time and also is the only driver to have led in 100% of the Formula 1 races he has started, which is always... <laughs> you, love a- that. you love that stat. It's a great stat. It is a great stat. Uh, that race, of course, being the 2007... Uh, European Grand Prix, the one that everyone crashed in because it started raining. Uh, uh, Patrick Niederhauser has been a, a up-and-coming driver from Switzerland. I I rate him. I don't rate him hugely, but I do rate Haaser and Winklehock. Winklehock has won this event, uh, I think, multiple times in the past with some just incredible drives at the seat of Audi machinery. So uh, if that car is anywhere near the front half of the field in the last half of the race, look for Winklehock to bring it to the front. Absolutely. And I want to shed some light on Patrick Niederhauser. You mainly see him in the ADAC GT Master Championship. Um, generally does well. He wins a few races here and there. I believe he races with the Rutronic Audi. Um, or that, maybe that was last season. But he did win the ADAC GT Masters Championship in 2019 and finished second in the 2020 uh, 24 Hours of Nürburgring. Uh, I think overall, but does say um, SP9 Pro-Am class. So huh. he he's not bad. And he's recently been upgraded from uh, silver to gold in the last, I think it's two or three seasons. So he's finding his way in being uh, a full-time professional driver and all the responsibilities that come with that. And the, so that car should do well. The 26 is interesting to me because these are names that People who don't pay attention to GT3 probably don't that not know that well. Uh, Chris, you want to go through these drivers? Or not? And he's dead. Uh, <laughs> the 66? No, no, the 26. Yeah, so James Green. He's, and then Finlay Hutchison. I want to say um, they raced... I never actually heard of James Green before. I'm going to take a stab. This is British GT3. I know Finney Hutchison raced with Phoenix before. Um, he does did a little bit of GT4s back in his day. I do I do kind of rate him. He did do some uh, British GT4, uh, more specifically. And then you have the uh, Adrian Tambay, which that's uh, everybody knows, is, uh, I believe, his father, Formula 1 fame. Um, and this is also a French team, sort of the home race, uh, sort of. Um, and St. Elac has, I believe, won a race this year in the Sprint Cup um, at, uh, I believe it was Magnicor. Um, so this team has a shed of promise in it. Will it do well over 24 hours? We'll see. Yeah, James Green, this is the spa entry list being official. We might know him as Jamie Green, the uh, long-time DTM oh, racer. <laughs> Jamie Green, I've heard of. Yeah, D- yeah. DTM, old DTM drive. Okay. Yeah. Classic SRO entry list. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I never looked up James Green. He's a he's a Olympic wrestler. <laughs> I don't think that's him. <laughs> I said no, we're not allowed to get distracted by the Olympics. What? That's a Google kid. That's Google's fault. That's For those playing along at home, we are recording this while literally the first events of the Olympics are happening. So, and we're going to get into the cycling, so we've got to move on. Yes, this is true. Yes. Uh, next to Audis from WRT, and these cars are both phenomenal. Dries Stanthor, Calvin Mandela, Charlie Wirtz in the 32, and Robin Franz, Dennis Lind, Nico Muller in the 37. Oh boy! Oh my God! Oh boy is definitely correct. I looking at that thirty-two car, Dries Van Thor and Kelvin Vanderlinde and Charles Wirtz. That is that is a scary car. Like right off the bat, that is a car that could win overall quite easily. Yeah, and the fact that uh, uh, Charlie Wirtz and uh, Van Thor, they ra- I believe they've raced, they share a car in the Adec GT Masters Championship, and I believe they're doing quite well in the championship. So they, these guys already have a chemistry. They know how to uh, react to each other. They know the, each other's like, you know, uh, requests. They know what they like. They, so it's very easy for them to get along. And of course, uh, Kelvin Vandalin, the guy in the middle here, uh, obviously raced with these guys before in other competitions. So this is a very strong team chemist uh, with chemistry and talent. Um, I would not bet against these guys at all unless you have a very stacked wallet. Yes. And Charlie and... Wirtz is currently leading the Sprint Cup. Yeah, wow. He's 20. Yeah, the, the thing is, WRT have a, a, an incredible driver like promotion program. We've seen so many good drivers come through that program, including the likes of Dries Vantor and Kelvin Vanderlinder, who before joining WRT and before joining the Audi program have were no names and now they are the biggest world beaters in GT3 racing well, uh, and, and the fact that Lawrence Van Thor came, came, came from WRT as well yeah absolutely and oh, we haven't even talked about the 37 yet which has Robin Fryens, Dennis Linden and Nico Muller in there which is like Fryens himself is a incredible driver that almost won a blank pain series with uh, Lawrence Van Thor like seven years ago wow <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a long time but yeah they're like all all six of these drivers are up there with world beaters what do you reckon's the the better car out of those two uh, definitely 32 <laughs> just yeah i I'd, I'd agree but only very just yeah either way those two cars should be up in the top 10 coming out of 22 yes absolutely yes uh then we move on to the last pro audi uh, from Attempto Racing, uh, number 66, with Mattia Drudy, Christopher Meese, and Dennis Marshall. So a name that people might not know. Yeah, uh, talk us through Dennis Marshall. Where is where has he come from? Uh, ADAC GT Masters. Okay, cool. So has, has, he, he, has he been performing well enough to earn a Audi Sport Team Attempto Pro seat? Uh, yeah, he, he, he's, he's not a dominant force. Uh, keep in mind that ADAC GT Masters has been low on my watch list, but I have been watching the races. But I do believe uh, he has won a couple of races in that championship before. So with him being an Audi driver, and he might even, if Attempto fields a car for ADAC GT Masters, that might be, even be his regular drive. So not necessarily a bad pickup, Dennis Marshall. Uh, obviously the silver, that's probably the main reason why he has the seat. Um 
he, I, he's not going to crash the car. I don't remember him being as reckless. I'll, um, I'll he'll definitely keep the car in one piece, and and he could he could be fast if if he wants to. I'm filling some gaps here. He's actually been racing for a tempo in the Silver Cup and the Sprint Cup this year. Uh, hasn't been lighting the world on fire, um, and he's the he's driven he drove at this pro car for WRT last year um, at Spa, so he knows how to drive. I don't think he necessarily knows how to drive fast. He's also only 24. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's look about the other drivers, though, because you've got Christopher yeah. Meese, who's been an Audi stalwart for a decade now, and Matteo Drudi, who is, again, one of the most up-and-coming, exciting drivers in a Audi. It's very interesting to me that an Italian driver is driving an Audi and not a Ferrari, but he's still very much deserving of a drive. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um... Just a, of me, so we, we know what he can do. Anyway, yeah, you can say. Just uh, it, it surprises me a little bit that Audi have distributed their talent quite evenly across five cars. Like we we talked about the thirty two being like a crazy car, but like why wouldn't you, if you were WRT, put say Dries Vantour and Kelvin Vanderlinde with Marcus Winkelhock and just have one mega stacked car out of the five cars versus each car having a somewhat lower talent in it? I think they've got a lot of faith in what Charlie Averts can do. And at the moment, that's been proven. So I don't think they're actually... That was ever in their thoughts, in all honesty. I mean, that's fair enough. It's just it's just a very, uh, very interesting philosophy, I guess, mm. um, in, in that respect, to, to have a mix of... A, a wide breadth of talent spread across a bunch of cars as opposed to maybe one or two stacked cars there's the word again stacked um and one or, one or two like maybe that'll work cars but who are you to question what audi sport do with their juniors? this is true They've, this is true they are a time and time again over i know what they're doing over the last 15 years audi sport has just been the dominant force in gt racing so who am i to yeah. say anything about that <laughs> <laughs> exactly not like you're a motorsport journalist or anything because they're allowed to have ideas nah not at all nah no so these are five Audis which one do you think is going to be the best 32 or that or 25 okay Chris I, I think I, I want to say 32 yeah that's just the honeypot I think that's just going to attract a lot of people in for fantasy WEC but Marcus Finkelhoff though I know I know I know anyway it's, let's not get distracted. We'll get we'll get our top picks later. Uh, we'll move on now to the two BMWs in the pro class of this race, both from Falkenhorst Motorsport. The 34 with Sheldon Vanderland, Marco Whitman, and David Pittard. And the 35 with Timo Glock, Martin Chomtik, and Thomas Neubauer. I've mispronounced that last name so, so badly. Neubauer. Neubauer. So both these cars have two pro drivers and a super silver. Chris, what do you can tell us about these cars? Yeah, so David David Pittard, he really, really only seen for the really big events like Spot 24 and Nürburgring 24. I believe he does NLS full-time for Vulcan Horse. Then you have Sheldon Vanderland, who I believe might have won his first DTM race in Mon a couple weeks ago. Um, so very good achievement from him. He has a win under his bad confidence. Must be high for him. Then you have Marco Wittmann, former DTM champion, I believe 2014, when he scored that W. Um, Timo Glock and Martin Tomczyk. Uh I know Timo Glock 
also one of the DTM guys. And not to mention, the guys who are racing DTM, um, they might have an advantage because they're racing at the Lauschitz ring this weekend, and they, they're using the oval turn once. They won't be a stranger to speed. They'll they'll get wow. that you know system. Um, and they have Thomas Neubauer, who previously raced, I believe, the Tech 1 Racing Lexus in previous seasons for GT World Challenge Europe. So making the switch to BMW for the Spa 24. Yep. Uh, so both these silver drivers, they've raced in, uh, well, obviously this season earlier uh, with the Endurance Cup. David Pittard raced at Nürburgring in the Beamer and actually won in his class in the seventh, in in the eleventh of July, so that was two weeks ago. Oh wow! Yeah, so they're both pretty solid drivers, and I think, yeah. And Thomas Neubauer, he's twenty two, he's still learning his craft. So I don't think these cars are both going to be up there at the end of things. But with the pro drivers in those cars, you can't count them out entirely just yet. Yeah, it, it's. It kind of these these drivers in these cars kind of shows the talent stocks of BMW at the moment after their GT uh, G, uh, challenge lit up and then fell apart very quickly. They kind of lost a few drivers to to other marks and other manufacturers, and a few drivers have been delisted. So, for example, like Chas Mostert, who we might have seen at this event. Uh, has has not has ended his contract to focus on supercars. So there's a few things going on with uh, BMW at the minute. Uh, I they are t- this, these cars are certainly talented, but con- again, considering the talent in other cars, uh, it would be a surprise for me to see them mixing it for the win in the latter stages of the race. Yeah, keep in I mind agree. though, D- uh, BMW is the most successful mark at the Spa 24 hour. So true. They, they they have won here before and also very recently. True. But yeah, I, I can't see these two at the, nah. at the pointy end. Nah. Sorry, nah. Beamer fans. Sorry. All right, we'll, we'll move on to two cars that definitely will be at, at the pointy end come 22 hours or 24 hours. The two Iron Lynx Ferraris. With the traditional Ferrari numbers of 51 and 71. The 51 with Alessandro Pierguidi, Nicholas Nielsen, Cone Lidegar. Oof. Oh my god! And the seventy-one, <laughs> and the seventy-one with Antonio Fuoco, Callum Eilat, and David Regon. Wow, they are they are six incredibly strong drivers. Callum Eilat has really impressed me in GT three. Yeah, it's it's really surprising to see uh, someone so fresh and so new to GT racing. This is, of course, he's coming straight from Formula Two, if I'm not uh, not mistaken. Yeah, to be right, Formula Two. Pardon? Yeah, Formula 2. Yeah, you'd be right at your Formula 2. Same with uh, Antonio Foco. Yeah, so so these guys have come straight from Formula 2 competition and have just immediately been at the very top of GT3. It's kind of terrifying to watch. So uh, the, the only thing that's concerning for me is uh, how fresh they are to in, the endurance aspect of it, specifically for Eilat. That 51 car, though, Pierre, Pierre Greedy, Nicholas Nielsen, and Combe Ledegar, that is a terrifying trio of drivers you have there a world endurance champion a european le mans series gt champion and one of the brightest young sparks in the entire ferracti uh, ferrari driver base i don't know where i got that word from and a former black pain endurance champion in comb letter it's a terrifying trio of drivers it's terrifying yeah and i i just don't know what more we can say about them but from 
I don't know which one's stronger. Well, I, I, I think entirely based off of experience, you have to go to the 51. Like, Forco's great. He has a World Endurance Championship win, like, literally a few weeks ago under his belt at Portimao in the GTM class. Callum Isla. And... Incredible. And an Italian GT Endurance Championship for 2020. There you go, that too. Um, Callum Eilert, we just briefly made mention. Formula 2, very, very good. Davide Regon, again, FIA WEC Endurance Champion. But like, the 51 is just so much stronger. It's terrifying. That might be the, the most stacked lineup in the grid, maybe? I don't know. Mm, no, not yet. But not there's, yet. More, there's more than that, I can oh, tell you that right blimey. now. All right. Uh, we should move on now, I think, to some of those lineups that may not be as stacked, but names synonymous with this race. Three cars from Lamborghini. The 63 will start with the Orange One Triple F Racing Team, Mirko Bertolotti, Marco Mappelli, and Drea Calderali. Blimey. <laughs> yeah. Can you pick a weak link from that lineup? Anything bad about that lineup? The fact that well, they're driving a Ferrari, which is a little weak on BOP at the moment? Uh, the 63? No, they're in Lambo. Oh, yeah, Lambo, sorry, not Ferrari. <laughs> the other Italian one. Yeah. Now, this was also the team who led pretty much most of the uh, powered card race and then got passed by GPX in the final stages. So they, they, they got hurt. Uh, they don't want to be hurt again. And yeah. Then you have, yeah. Go on. It's, it's kind of terrifying, like, just, again, uh, looking at the, the quality of these squads, there is there is no weak, weak link in that, like, at all, and I, I haven't been tracking GT3 racing too closely in the recent times, but Ferrari, uh, Ferrari, I've said it again, Lamborghini have generally been a very sort of stable platform in terms of the, the BOP and where they kind of sit in that. Of course, it's basically a, a an Audi with an Italian shell on it, so of course it's going to be quick, so it's... Uh, it's it's pretty it's going to be a pretty tasty car oh for sure and then we've got two other lambos in this field uh both from emil frey racing uh so we've seen them jump around a bit this time they're in the lamborghini uh interesting driver lineups don't know if they're necessarily the best but they're both interesting uh the 114 with arthur regier consta lapalainen and jack aitken and the 163 with giacomo altawi norbert seedler and albert costa what a weird sextet of drivers. Yeah. Um, it's, it's weird that Jack Aitken is the most experienced of those six. Oh, uh, that's uh, Nor- Norbert Seedler's there. No, apart, from, apart, from, apart from Norbert Seedler. But, I was going to say. Yeah. But they're not... Like they're, 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 It's an interesting lineup for a pro cup class. Yeah, if I was to make a list of maybe the fifty, the fifty best GT three drivers, I would not have any of these guys on my list. It, it is peculiar that the one one four isn't in, entered in Silver Cup, for example. So I'm not even sure. I mean, it's still a chance for it to be regraded. Possibly. What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, so I've noticed because in the Sprint Cup, uh. ML Frey uh, won, I believe they even sweeped uh, Zanfort uh, in the Sprint Cup, both races. Uh, if uh, they didn't... Oh, yeah, yeah, they, but... they got pulled for race one, and I believe they won race 
they run they they polled in one race one and had the fastest lap and finished second in race two. However, okay, that's right. Both those, those drivers, drivers but those yeah, drivers are in the lineup in the spot twenty four. Yeah, no Ricardo, Ricardo Fowler and Alex Fontana, both Swiss drivers, neither of whom are here. Yeah, that's head scratcher for me. That is very peculiar. Possibly COVID related. I don't know. Maybe. I'm sure there will be more light shed on that in the coming week, or maybe not. Maybe we'll never know. Maybe we'll never know. But I, as much as we, I love Emil Frey racing. And the cars always look great. I just can't see them up the pointy end this year. No, uh, think... it, it would be it would be a massive upset uh, if that was be the case. I think. Yeah. Now we do have to remind ourselves that they did have the Jaguar that was so, you know, fan favorited and loved, and they, if I remember correctly, one one year they were doing decent. Like they were up in the top ten. Until obvious, you know, issues happened. Then ML Frey had a bit of a sabbatical from GT World Challenge Racing. They switched over to International GT Open, I believe, with the Lexus. Won a few races there, and now they're back here um, with the Lamborghinis. Um, so we're gonna have to wait and see how the. Obviously, we've been seeing good results of them in the Sprint Cup um, endurance rounds. I'm not. I haven't seen them too high up on the table. So we're going to have to see how Spa goes. Maybe there'll be enough attrition for them to gain a decent result because I don't think they're going to do it alone on pace. I think they're more likely to be the attrition. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Unfortunately. Ouch. Unfortunately. Owie. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we'll move on now. Uh, we have one McLaren in this race, one McLaren 720S, which is a shame because I always love seeing the McLaren on track. But the three drivers from this Jota Sport Entry number 38, traditional Jota number, Ben Barnacote, Ollie Wilkinson, Rob Bell. Get your tea and crumpets. This is a very British entry. It is. It really is. It's four, three UK drivers in a very British team in a very British car, which has, by the way, been at the pointy end of almost everything it's raced in. I, I like. I remember its first big outing was the Bathurst 12 Hour 2020, and it almost bloody won the damn thing. So it's it's if they've done any sort of development on that car, that's going to be one to watch. And God blimey, look at that driver lineup! It's a crazy good driver lineup, and they haven't really hit their straps yet in the um in the GT3 series so far this year. Ben Barnico, Ollie Wilson. Had a cup, had a fourth place and an eighth place. Otherwise, nothing to write home of. But if they can get the car together, and we know how good Jota as a team is, we'll not be surprised to see this car at the pointy end. Chris, anything you got to add on to the drivers here? Uh yeah, I believe Oliver Wilkinson uh, uh, will race in the British GT round uh, the week before, so that'll definitely help him. Obviously, same car. Um, Ben Barnacout, obviously. Cool. been in the game for a while now then rob bell um just a guy like that having a platinum guy uh on the team that can really wheel on these things it's gonna be interesting I, I i think i'm 50 50 on this it's a mclaren um so i don't think it's gonna i don't know if it's gonna be coming home but i think it's uh <laughs> might, might finish in the top 15 Oof. maybe it's gonna come rome instead uh, uh... 
just another quick note on yep. Barnaco. Uh, well, firstly, Rob Bell, uh, again, Blank Pain GT Endurance winner in 2016 with the McLaren. And Ben Barnaco, if you ever have the chance to meet and talk to Ben Barnaco in person, make sure that you take it because he is an absolute joy to talk to. Um, I was lucky enough over last the beginning of last year to have a chat with him at both the uh, Asian Le Mans series round where he was driving a Delara and the Bathurst 12-hour where he was driving the McLaren. And he was just absolutely just enthralled to be a part of the event. And the fact that he came away with two podium positions was just on top of the moon. So Ben Vinico is one of the best best lads in the paddock. And yeah, if you ever get a chance to have a chat with him, make sure you take it. And also, is he's he, bloody quick. Is he, is he bloody quick enough to take a chance of taking the overall victory? I to you. think yes. Ooh. I think okay. yes. I think this car is this car is a sleeper. I reckon this car is going to catch is going to be up there. Excellent. If you, if you, if it's two in the morning, there won't be anyone sleeping around the car. Uh, uh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, that car's a decent chart. We'll move on now. We have two more mates. We have Mercedes now with four pro entries. The usual four pro entries. The number four, Holden, Holden Racing Team. Holden Racing, Racing Team, team. wow. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. HRT, Hubert Racing Team. I thought it was Help Racing Team. Help Racing Team, my God. There I'm we go, it. we did it. <laughs> Woo. Help Racing Team. Maro Engel, Lucas Stoltz, Vincent Abreu. Scary, scary, even more scary. Yeah, there's very little to say about that, but from holy cow... Yeah, if this like, car doesn't win, there's a problem. The problem with saying that, Chris, the problem with saying that, Chris, is I don't even think that's the best Mercedes. No. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. You can't say, if this car doesn't win, that's a problem, and then go, wait, hang on, it's not even the best Mercedes. No, it's not. Not at all, because we get down to the number 50 hub auto Mercedes. Maxi Book, Maxi Gotts, Yelma Berman. Like that, that car is just—it's just better. Like the the double max power. I can't like you can't really fault the 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 pair of Maximilians. They have been the most consistent Mercedes pairing over the past five to ten years. It's it's just kind of scary. And Yelma Berman, like people kind of forget about how good Yelma Berman is behind the wheel of that car because you've got the the star power of. Maxi Book and Maxi Gertz. So uh, that car, it's I think so far the only triple platinum car as well that we've seen. So so Mercedes are definitely not doing that thing where they split their driver talent between two or three cars. It's just it's just a really good car. It's just a really good car. I and and an update on Vincent Abril. Um, he's gonna be uh, driving. He might be a little be uh, mad because he. Just news, breaking news from today. He got disqualified from the first DTM round at Monza. So not a good week starting off for him already. Oof. Oof. Yeah. So I, the Hout Racing team we know is a, a very good, uh, very professional team. Um, and the likes of Lucas Stoltz and Vincent Abril are very, very good drivers. I just, there is a little bit of a gap to... Maxi Book, Maxi Gertz, and Yoma Berman. I think that is going to be the deciding factor between those two cars specifically. But there's still two more. Yeah, and I'm still not convinced we've covered the best Mercedes yet. Oh, it's it's mighty close. <laughs> the number. So we have Aka ASP, Mercedes, stalwart team, 
with two cars, the 88 with Raffaele Marciello, Danny Giancadella, and Jules Gannon. And the 89, which is more of the younger-ish, with Timur Bogoslavski. You did very well with that. Philippe Frager and Lucas Auer. So the number 89 is a bit of an unknown quantity for me. I have seen Felipe Fraga, anyone who's been watching WEC competition or even IMSA competition would have recognized that name uh, driving for Keating Motorsports, sandwiched between your own Blake Molin and Ben Keating um, before he got upgraded to gold because that's what Super Silvers do. Um, but uh, Lucas Auer and Timur Boguslavski are two names that I am not familiar with. Chris, you're the obscure racing guy to Zero Domain. Just frantically yeah, googling so, in the background. So Tiber, Tiber, uh, sorry, American. I don't deal with foreign names very well. Uh, the Russian guy. He's been racing full time in the GT World Championship, and he has, I believe, he's been close to winning a couple races. I don't know if he's scored one yet, but he's definitely he races full time with Mercedes. Uh, Felipe Fraga races the LMP3 with I believe in the IMSA with I believe um, Ben Keating um, that team I believe they already won a few races or two uh, also won the 24 hours of circuit the Americas and the WeatherTech Mercedes so he's had 24 hour race wins with this car before um, ob- and also um, uh, stock car Brazil driver uh, probably former stock car Brazil driver at this rate because he's doing more sports car competitions than domestic uh, races in this day and age and obviously lucas our uh dtm driver as well um and been racing the gt3s pretty much uh for the, ever since i can remember yeah so it's an interesting car that one but it's definitely not the talent of the 88 let's be real the yeah so let's, is... let's talk about the 88 because we kind of yeah. brushed over it Gianni Junkadella, very very experienced driver in a mercedes jules gunon has driven i think four different types of GT cars and has been very, very proficient in all of them. A former ADAC GT winner while he was on the way up the ranks. Uh, and then you have the king of Macau, Raffaello Marciello. Yeah, this is, a, this is a top lineup. I'm going to ask you now, Flood. 50 or 88? Ah, uh, 50. You're still going to think... I, I, I think 50 is the best... It's not by much, but I think it's the best... Uh, Mercedes out of them and and part of that is because it's a triple platinum car and yep. we haven't seen any others Chris same question to you do you dissent yeah I do think definitely the 88 is going to be the strongest card mm. obviously Marcello um, up and comer FIA GT World Cup winner multiple times uh, Jules Gunan basically a god and everything he touches he has like the Midas touch um, but I do I, I, yeah the the four is definitely very strong, um, but I do think I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna lock it in, throw away the key. That's gonna be the honeypot pick. I don't think it's gonna make it to the other race. Ooh, ooh, bold. That's bold. Yep. And now we've said all that. The eighty nine is probably gonna be the best of all of them. But anyway, <laughs> that would be about right. <laughs> no, now form. So we're down now to our last six cars in the pro cup. All. Porsche 911s. Flood, keep it calm. Oh, you can't tell me the, what to do. We'll start with the first car. There's two cars here from KCMG. Our Hong Kong... Hong Kongese? Cantonese? What do you call them? Our friends from Hong Kong. 
<laughs> they have an inter- two interesting cars. Number 18 is really more their lower level drivers, I guess you'd call it. Edo Liberati, Josh Burden from Australia, and Alex Impertori, the gold driver from Switzerland. And the 47, this is where it gets interesting. Maxime Martin, Lawrence Stanford, Lick, no, Nick Tandy. So let's ignore the 47 for a moment because yep. I'm going to salivate over that in a second. Uh, number 18 car. So you may recognize a few of those names from a few other things. I just want to pick out Josh Burden uh, for a moment. So Australian driver. Uh, this, this trio of drivers raced at the Bathurst 12 hour in a Nissan in 2020, except they didn't race. They were entered in the Bathurst 12 hour, uh, 12 hour. Josh Burden set the fastest time in first practice and then binned it under the tree and wrote the car off for the weekend. So he certainly has pace, but temperament is something that may need to be worked on for, for that, for him and that team. So I'm, gonna like maybe write off the 18 as an overall contender because i don't think it's gonna have the longevity of for example the 47 which has three of the best porsche drivers in the entire world driving it (laughs) i mean like where do you go from there where do you go from there you've got lawrence vantor who may be the best gt3 driver in the world for the past five years you have nick tandy who's just the best at everything he does and maxi martin who again it's just a very, very good Porsche Platinum driver. Like, yeah. where do you improve? Yeah, this is the second and only other car, which is an all-platinum lineup. And, oh boy. And where do you go? Where, like, where do you go from there? <laughs> what can you say? Chris, do you have anything intelligent to add? No, wait, you're American, you don't. Oof! Ouch! Oh. Wow! <laughs> Kiwi wow. spinning straight fire today. Far out. That's okay. That you, you'll lose in the soccer. Low, bro. Low, low, blow. USA. USA. So yeah, the forty-seven's gonna be strong. We and know that. Just as an aside, is there anything more beautiful than a chrome blue, uh, chrome blue KCMG car with the number forty-seven on it? Nah, absolutely not. It's one of the best sights in the motorsport. Be better if it was Nissan, but ah, oh, definitely not. Nissan's too long in the tooth now. This, that, is, I, that is actually a good reason for Ferguson. Yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned there, Flood, Lawrence Stanthor, one of the best GT3 drivers going around at the moment. The most informed driver, I think, is in the car we're going to talk about next. The number 21, Rutronic Racing, Sven Muller, Ricard Leitz, Kevin Est. Yeah, he cannot put a foot wrong at the moment. Yeah, so for those who have not been watching the WEC, Kevin Est has basically been the the king of the GTE Pro paddock to the point where it's absurd. Quite honestly, he's consistently two to three tenths of a second quicker than everyone else, including his teammates, including the competition drivers in the Ferraris, including guys like Alessandro Pierguidi and Davide Rigon. And that might not sound like much, but in a 24-hour race, two to three tenths of a second a lap it, or across a two-hour, like a two-minute lap is what? Let's do some quick maths here. It's what five seconds every hour, mm-hmm. and that's that's that adds up to a lot of time over the course of a 24-hour race. So yep. Kevin, Kevin Est has been 
incredible. He's paired with Ricard Leitz, who has been driving Porsches longer than I've been watching sports car racing. Uh, so he's certainly got plenty of experience. And then uh, Sven Müller. So I I don't think I rate Sven as much as Porsche does. I've never really been impressed by a drive from Sven Müller. And like he's had plenty of opportunities to impress me. <laughs> He's so, solid, if not quick. It, I, don't, I don't think I've seen him put it wrong, but I haven't seen him take a race by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. He's just kind of consistent, clean, brings it back, un- unexciting, mm. but that's kind of good in an endurance race as well. Yeah. But when you got someone like Kevin S, who, look what he did at Nürburgring, for example. He was just a class of the field. But of course, the Spa 24 is also the site of Kevin S. worst race at the seat of a Porsche. <laughs> very true. Uh, so this is, look, this is a very solid car. Chris, anything to add? Nope. Yeah, the, okay. the, the Porsche's um, definitely a very good, strong uh, car here. They obviously won last year um, with uh, some problems towards the end. Um, but I, it's, it's going to be interesting because I do really rate the terms of livery KCMG, but obviously and Kevin, Kevin Estra with the retronic racing car. Um, remember a couple of years ago when Kevin Estra kind of had a meltdown, he was yes. like kind of wrecking a car. Um, he's gotten a lot better. Um, he is not known for that you, as you would hope. Um, he's he's a very good proper race car driver. That's most likely not fear. People like to make fun of him for that incident, but or I remember he was kind of on the inside of the Kemmel straight and kind of just tearing up the car. Um, but that was that was years ago. Man, yeah. people people change. Now, um, just quickly, Chris, can I ask you, Rutronic Racing? That's not a team name I'm familiar with. Yeah, so it used to be an Audi team, if I remember correctly, for ADAC GT Masters. We normally didn't never see uh, Rotronic in these inter, well, quote unquote, international enduros. Um, but they made the switch to Porsches either last year or this year. They made their, uh, though they raced at the Nurburgring Twenty Four, they did semi decent. Um, so they're and, and also probably has a few ADAC GT wins under their belt. So Retronic, uh, I always thought of them as like the uh, lower tier, like kind of amateur team, but clearly that's not not the case. They're coming out with these, you know, drivers like you know Sven Müller and Ricard Leitz. Exactly. So uh, that's it's it's a pretty impressive driver lineup uh, for a team that I've never heard of before. So let's hope that they are able to perform. Uh, like we expect from them, effectively. Hey, it's what we said about Dynamic a couple of years ago, right? This, this is true. This is true. Mm. So we move on now to the... We've got three Porsches left. The, the number 22 is next. The GPX Martini Racing Porsche. Based out of the UAE with Maddie Campbell, Matthew Jaminet, and Earl Matty Bamba. <laughs> this is the Cam Bam Jam car. <laughs> yeah. Cam Bam Jam. Mm. Get it now from me, local Coles. <laughs> <laughs> so so this is this is the team that's coming off winning the last endurance round, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so 
a team uh, a team with proven success, a team with proven drivers. Uh, you've got Le Mans winner Earl Bamba in there. You've got uh, Bathurst 12-hour champion Matt Campbell there. And again, one of the best up-and-coming young Porsche drivers in Matteo Jaminet, who basically broke the GTE AM class a few seasons ago in the uh, Dempsey Proton number 77 car. Uh, and has actually been one to make the transition from being a super silver to an effective gold driver well. There, there's kind of a, a, a void of super silvers who become upgraded to gold and then just never go on to anything better. Um, but Jaminet has been one of the few who's made that step and made it quite effectively. So they they won the last round and they were about to win in Monza before the car broke down. So they have to be the they have to be the favorites they have to be the favorites really and of course Earl Bamba along with Lawrence Tansford last year won this race yep with Nick Tandy as well I, I think yes it was so this look I'm, I, this is patriotism but this car is gonna be right up there because Earl Bamba is just a driving god <laughs> and Matt Campbell is just a driving god yeah and Matthew Gemini is a driving leg god <laughs> oh my god that's Shut up, Kiwi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the car looks gorgeous as well. Oh, yes. Move on now to the last two, the Dynamic Motorsport Duo. Number 54 with Matteo... The number 54 Dynamic Motorsport car with Matteo Cairoli, Klaus Backler, Christian Engelhart. Three golds. And the 56 with Andrea Rizzoli, Mikael Pedersen, and Romain Dumas. There's a name to drop in from the heavens. I'll let Chris take the lead on this one. So, I believe Matteo Caroli, Klaus Backler, and Christian Engelhardt, those are your Monzo winners. And I believe this 56 is the second car um, that, not full-time, I don't believe. Maybe, maybe it is. Uh, Andrea Rizzoli um, most likely came from the Italian GT ranks because um, Dynamic has a very strong hold in at least Porsche Carrera Cup uh, Italia. They're definitely very big in that championship. Romain Dumas, no need for him. Uh, no need to introduce him. You know, Pike, I believe he still holds the Pikes Peak Hill Climb record um, with the Volkswagen. And Mikkel Pedersen from, from Den- it's not really uh, often you see a Danish driver in a Porsche. How about that? I mean, don't we also Danish? But he's not he's not driving a Porsche at the moment, but he definitely did drive a Porsche. Remember when you forgot his entire existence in a Nürburgring 24-hour podcast that we did a few years ago, Chris? Well, apparently I still do. <laughs> um, yeah, so Pedersen is a, a very young driver uh, who's just uh, doing... He's just come out of karting if uh, I'm led... Uh, if driver DB is going to be kind to me. Where did I have it? So, just coming out of karting, has done, uh, did Silver Cup for Porsche last year, got a podium with Dynamic, uh, and has raced the endurance rounds so far this year. So, uh, someone for the future, perhaps? Um, someone maybe who could spend time in Porsche Super Cup uh, if uh, he wanted to propel his career. But really, if you're a Dynamic Motorsport fan, you've got to be looking at the uh, number 54 car. But, I think there are, yeah, just better Porsches than the number 54 car, despite them having taken a win already. Yep. I, I agree with that. And the 56, all the young guys in Romain Demar, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's a, that's, yeah. A that's a development car. We've seen Porsche do this yeah. a few times. It's a car that you get a, a few young guys in with a very experienced head to show them how to be professional race car drivers, effectively. Okay, so we've got our, we've got our Pro Cup glass. First of all, actually, I want you to pick your Porsche podium potentials. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, how many? How many do I get to choose? Give Give me two. Uh, GPX and KCMG twenty two and forty seven. Getting off the twenty one. Uh, uh, yeah. Getting off, killing off the best driver in the foot, the best most informed driver at the moment. Yeah, well, it's motorsport is a team sport. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Chris? Back me up here. Help, help me. Um, I'm gonna go with. The 54 and the GPX, I think those are going to be your guys that are going to be up at the pointy top of this table here at the Spot 24. So both of us are skirting Estra. Fantastic. Well, I'm gonna, I was going to say the Retronic and GPX are 21-22. But then living off this KCMG car just feels wrong. It's a triple platinum. <laughs> How can you leave that off? I know, right? right. Well, you, you reckon that was hard. Now I'm going to ask you for an overall top five. Oh, a top five. We only <laughs> get five? Look, it's like a box trifecta. Pick five. I have a list of seven. Are you asking me to get rid of two? Yes. Why do you do that, Chris? You go. Well, okay. So, number number 88. That's the Eka ASP card. Marciano Junco de la Gunon. Uh, 22. GPX Martin. Uh, I believe the 54 would be somewhere in that conversation. Dynamic indeed. At least be two more. We're gonna, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with the tw- uh, thirty-two. Thirty-two. The Audi Sport Vantor Vanderland Charlie Verts. Yep. And I'm going to do a dark horse pick. I'm going to go with the sixty-three, and hoping that the Lambo curse will be broken. <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, Michael, have you got your seven down to five? I, I've got it down to six. <laughs> okay, final compromise. Okay, we'll compromise. Okay, so I'll go from the top. So I I wanted to choose two Audis, but I ended up going with one. I went with the number 32, Dries Vantor, Kelvin Vanderlinde, and Charles Wirtz car. And mm-hmm. I really wanted to pick the 25, but we'll leave that one there. Uh, I'm surprised that uh, Chris just completely left Ferrari alone. I think that uh, the 51 Iron Lynx is going to be up there. Alessandro Pierguidi, Nicholas Nielsen, and Cohen Bledegar. Um, Aha! But you forgot it's uh, the very most important factor that I played into making my picks. It's Ferrari in a GT3 race. A big GT3 race. Oh, they can win. They've won big GT3 races before. They don't always go off in flames. I am still not feeling bad about the 2016 uh, Paul Ricard 1000 kilometer. And then my other three picks, I've gone for the number 50 Hub Auto Mercedes. So not mm-hmm. the not the number 88 Acura SP. I've gone for the Maxi, Maxi Yelma Berman car, Gertzuk. And then, true to form, I've gone with two Porsches. I've gone with the GPX Martini Cam Jam Bam car uh, and the number 47 KCMG Maxi Martin, Lois Vantor, and Nick Tandy. And because I couldn't leave them off the list, uh, the my my dark horse, my uh, 
sort of uh, underdog pick is the number 38, the Yoda Sport McLaren. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ben Barnico, Oliver Wilkinson, and Rob Bell are going to surprise some people. I don't disagree with that. I'm not picking a top five because I'm hosting. I have that right. So, oh, you mind. dog. <laughs> you absolute dog. No, we're pressed for time. We'll take me too long to think. We better move on to our Pro-Round Cup now. <laughs> so, You're the worst. So, as we talked about earlier, obviously, four classes of the car in this race, uh, separated by drivers. So, Pro-Round Cup, uh, we have two bronzes. There's 14 cars in this entry, and each car can have up to four drivers per car. So, we'll fly through these relatively quickly. Uh, we have one Aston Martin, again, from Garage 59, the traditional 188. With Charlie Eastwood, Alexander West, Chris Goodwin, and Johnny Adam. Johnny Adam's a great addition to that car. He is, he is. And Charlie Eastwood as well. Uh, again, another young AMR driver coming up through the ranks. Uh, so Garage 59 is the Alexander West uh, love child, basically. It's his team, it's his operation, and this is his traditional car, really. So expect him to be very, very good in that machine. Uh, I think straight off the bat, this is going to be one of the cars to watch in this class. Uh, always strong in Pro-Am Cup is the fifty nine Garage 59. Always. Uh, just hang on a moment. Chris Goodwin, is that the, the, um, the host of uh, Top Gear? Or is that... No, this is a different guy I'm thinking of. Don't worry, we'll cut that out in post. Uh, <laughs> is that Chris I know, which, I, I, know, I know what you're referring to. Uh, bald guy. The one that, the one that, that did the, the Holy Trinity before the Holy Trinity. Uh, Chris Harris, Chris? that's his name. Chris Harris. Sorry, don't is. mind me. We'll just cut that out in post. Oh, so not, so not the bald Chris Harris who you know how to play cricket. Okay. No, the other bald Chris Harris. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, look, we know that's going to be a strong car. Absolutely. Next car from BMW, the number 10 Boots and Guinon machine. So this will be the art car, has been historically. I think they're doing it again. Ooh, I need to look that up. Yeah, can, if you can confirm that. Four drivers in this car, Jan Zimmer, Karim OJ, Jens Lieberhauser, and Jens Klingsman. So Jens, Jens Kling, Klingsman should be a, a name familiar to anyone who's watched GT3 racing over the past few years. Uh, Karim Oje, again, another name that should be familiar. Um, shed some light on uh, Jan Zimmer and Jens Lieberhauser, if you could, please, Chris. Well, as the C that, um, that Jan, Jan Zimmer, um, not, to, not to be confused with the famous uh, the movie. Uh, Composer. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, it shows him that he is a silver so if that's the case, uh, good pickup from this team. Um, I actually never even heard of this guy before. He must, uh, he either must race full time. Um, okay, so he, I think he raced in the Alpine Elf Europa Cup, uh, which is a single spec uh, series for the Alpine GT4 cars. Um, so that'll explain his silver status because he'll have at least some racing experience. Um, for the Jens Liebhauser from Germany, the bronze, I am i don't know where he came from. Um, maybe from some single make series in the region. But as far as I'm concerned, I do not have any information about him at this time. But, oh, okay, got some information. 
2020 International GT Open AM class champion. And he raced a bunch of Ferrari Challenge, which is why I never even heard of him. There you go. Uh, and just to cover off, Chris, you are right. This is the BMW art car. It is going to be uh, purple and green and blue and yellow and look like something out of an Austin Powers fever dream. Well, just what we want. It keep us awake at two in the morning. Oh, my favorite. Here, I'll just, I'm just going to post this in the, the live chat for people to have a look at um, because it's kind of terrifying. Oh, wait, no, this was from last year. Uh, are they doing yeah, but- it again this year? Yeah, this year, they, they, they've been wrapping all season with the uh, Michael Valiante uh, tribute, basically. Ah, yes, here we are. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll yeah. chuck that in. So, a- ignore the description I gave for for last year. This is the car that we're talking about. It is going to be cool. There we are. Yeah, going to be cool. So, big, bold, red, white, and blue. So, keep your eyes out for that one. Indeed. All right, we'll move on now. Uh, we have four Ferraris in the Poem class. Uh, the number 11 from Kessel Racing, David Fuminelli, Tim Komen, Francesco Zolo, and Giorgio Roda. Giorgio Roda is a name that we all know. David yes. Fuminelli is a name we know. The other two, not sure of? Yeah, so Giorgio Roda and uh, David Fuminelli. Or Giorgio Roda has raced in uh, GTM in the past, uh, or GTE in the ELMS. Uh, with his father, Gianluca Rota? Is that the right, right way around? I'm not sure. I so. Uh, and then David Fuminelli is someone who's been racing with Kessel Racing for a long time in ACO competition as well. Uh, yeah, Tim Komen and Francesco Zolo. Um, judging by with them as Kessel Racing, they might have uh, Ferrari Challenge ties because Kessel Racing are very involved in that championship. That seems like an intelligent guess. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, we'll move on to the next Ferrari. So we have this two Pro-Am cars from AF Corsa. The 52 with Lorenzo Bontempelli, Louis Machiel, Andrea Bertolini, and James Collado. What the hell? What? <laughs> and the, the 53 with Reno Mastronardi, Duncan Cameron, Matt Griffin, and Miguel Molina. Again, what the hell? <laughs> That's... So, that's like three of the four, uh, well, sorry, two, two out of the four GT, uh, GTE Pro Ferrari drivers and James Clyde and Miguel Manolino. But then also Andrea Bertolini. That's, 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 what? That's, what? That's, that's cheating. <laughs> Basically. That is, that, is, that is just legalized cheating. And we've seen Ferrari do this very recently. They've done this in the ELMS where they've got Miguel Molina and James Collado running in the ELMS GTE cars, which is kind of messed up. Um, Bontempelli and Machiels, I'm not too sure of, but the 53 car, that would be a very familiar car to people who have been watching British GT published pairing. And Reno Mastronati, that's a name I am 100% familiar with. And I have, perhaps... Might be right, ELMS potentially. Potentially, I'm trying to. That's certainly a name I've seen in ACO spec competition prior. So that's that. Immediately, that's setting alarm bells off. Yes, Iron Links raced last year at Le Mans with Matteo Cressone and Andrea Piccini in the number seventy-five car. They uh, finished the race, Um, but still a very respectable bronze driver. And the last Ferrari there from Sky Tempesta Racing. Three drivers named so far, I believe one's still to come. Chris Froggett, Jonathan Hui, and Eddie Cheever, the third. 
These drivers yep. are all Sounds very much... Um, Indianapolis 500 winner, Eddie Cheever. Mm-hmm. And these three drivers are co- known quantities. Or grandson. Yeah, I... They need a Ferrari factory driver to get dropped into that team to make them competitive. <laughs> Agreed. Especially when you look at the 52 and 53. I, I mean, Daniel Serra's not doing anything that weekend. True. He could be a seriously good pick. He, he definitely could uh, be. You said uh, Daniel Serra? Don't ruin yep. my dreams, Chris. Uh, we'll have to check the Stock Car Brazil Championship schedule because he races full-time in that too. Really? Wow. Okay. Jesus. There you go. All right. Well, moving on now, we have two Lamborghinis in the program field. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, one from Orange One Triple F Racing, Phil Keane, Bertrand Baguette, Stefano Costa, Costantini, and Hiroshi Hamaguchi. Japanese driver there, and I pronounced that name perfectly. That is a weird mix of drivers in that car. It is. It is. Well, I'm guessing Bertrand Baguette and Hiroshi Hamaguchi come from GT300. Um, Bert, no, no, Bertrand Baguette. Right, I don't know if this is current, but he used to he used to or still races with Honda in the, the GT500 category in Super GT. Uh, Hamaguchi, very well possibility from GT300. I think I've seen his name thrown around when uh, GT World Challenge Asia was uh was a thing. Hopefully, will still be a thing. We'll find out later. Um. But yeah, and nor- normally Phil, you would think a guy like Phil Keane would be in, in a team like Barwell because that's where that's where I thought I'd seen him all the time. So interesting. Yeah, um, Hiroshi Hamaguchi, he actually won the. G- Remember when Japan won the motorsport games in twenty nineteen? Oh, that's right. Wow. Yes. Yeah, he was one <laughs> of the drivers. Yes, he was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So that's a um. Did they sweep? They swept the weekend as well, right? Sorry. Did did they sweep the weekend? They did. Although this race two was a bit of a cluster, but anyway, a um. Wasn't they... that when? Wasn't that when the the Grove uh pairing ended up third in that race or something mental like that? Yeah, hence why I said it was a bit of a cluster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if the Grove, no, that's mean to the Groves. They're yeah. they're they're adequate, am driver ish things. I don't know. Yeah. So this is, and I think this will be an adequate team. I expect them to do well. I just don't know whether the quality of those Ferraris, for example. Yeah. Yep. The next, the next Lamborghini, the number seventy-seven. You mentioned this before. Barwell Motorsport. Sandy Mitchell, Leo Machitsky, Miguel Ramos, and Hanik Chavez. I am no yeah, help here. Help, Chris. Uh, Sandy Mitchell and Leo Machitsky are believe the British GT duo that raced full time in that championship. So they'll get much experience over the two-hour feature race for the British GT Championship the week before. Uh, Miguel Ramos, uh, though I've only really seen him in the International GT Open. Um, I believe Barwell also races in that. And then Henrique Chavez might also be the pairing for Miguel Ramos in that championship. I can get confirmation, but but as far as... I'm aware the duo from British GT and the duo from International GT Open make up this uh, lineup. Excellent. So a, a solid lineup, I think, but not not great. So we have one McLaren in this field from Inception Racing. Uh, Kevin Masden, Ollie Milroy, Jordan Pepper, and Brendan Iribe or Irib Iribe Iribe Iribe. Yep. 
that's so pretty, pretty amateurish lineup with Jordan Pepper sprinkled in. So I I I, I believe no in, was Inception racing the team that was racing the McLaren in the Asian Le Mans series. Sounds about right. So they yeah. won, they won a invite to Le Mans, mostly off the back of uh, Ben Barnico. Let's be real here, but still, uh, they they must have done something right in that. And also, Jordan Pepper uh, is a definitely a driver to watch. A uh, refugee from the Bentley program, um, a, a pretty good pickup. I, I'm I want to say I'm I'm into it, but I just don't know outside of Jordan Pepper, where the quality come from. Ollie is a, Oliver Milroy is a bit of a slow bronze and not really any other big name to carry that team. Yep. Isn't Ollie Milroy also like 12? Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Surely he's older than 12. Surely he's and at least 13. And not to mention that this team races in GT World Challenge America and GT America um, with Ollie, Ollie Milroy and Brandon uh, Arib, uh, or Arib, however you pronounce that last name, uh, that's the pairing for the GT World Challenge America races. Um, I believe probably pro am. Um, I never, I don't think they got a single win class wise. But in GT America, now GT America is the uh, race where I believe amateurs go at it for a forty minute race, no driver changes, and Brandon's in that car. And they have won at least one or two races in that championship. Keep in mind, there's only like five other GT3 cars, and it's you know old people or you have very young drivers, and then the rest are GT4s or GT2s if they decide to enter. So interesting. Uh, how, how should I say this? Uh, of where they're coming from in the year 2021, coming from the states, uh, from their racing and coming to Spa. We'll move on now. We have three Mercedes in this field. The number two get speed Mercedes with Jim Pla, Nico Bastian, Olivia Grotz, and Florian Schultz. Nico Bastian's the standard on that lineup for sure. Absolutely. Uh, he's gonna be the one that's going to carry that team uh, mm. if they can be carried. Yep. Then we have the number 20 SPS automotive performance machine, Colin Braun, George Kurtz, Valentin Pierberg, and Dominic Bauman. Similar situation, he'll be carrying that team for sure. And it's good to see Colin Braun driving something former again. Former NASCAR driver, Colin Braun. Yeah, uh, former uh, Core Auto yeah, Sport, second place uh, in the DP, uh, prototype category in 2017, Colin Braun. It's, it's, it's nice to see him race in something that's not GT World Challenge America, because I believe he does he does do that full-time with... Might, might, be, might be actually be George Kurtz, who is uh, the owner... Or, or CEO of CrowdStrike, um, so he he's the money man, and then you have uh, Valentin Pierberg, which I believe is a international GT Open driver. Some class wins to his name, and obviously Dominic Bauman, uh, kind of the lesser known Mercedes guy that always races Mercedes. Like everyone knows, Mauro Rangel and Lucas Stoltz, but Dominic Bauman. Uh, it's kind of one of the lesser guys who's he's always in Mercedes and he always seems to be doing pretty decent. Hey, he's kind of like the um, uh, Patrick Long or someone someone along those lines uh, for Mercedes. Someone who gets uh, is the factory guy that they uh, give to the amateur teams who want a factory guy to help run their team, basically. 
And then we get on to the Mercedes, which I think is the best of the three. The number 69, Ram Racing. Ricky Collard, Rob Collard, Sam Pahan, Fabian Schiller. I like so, the, yes. I like seeing so Fabian Schiller in that car. Mm. Yeah, I believe this is the father-son pairing between the Collards. One, I okay, I'm going to try not to butcher this. I believe Rob Collard is the one that's in the British Touring Car Championship, and Ricky Collard is doing the GTs full-time. Um, I think that's how it goes. If it not, is. it's the other way around. Okay. Yeah. So, and then... Um, Fabian Schiller, I believe he raced with the Get Speed team for the NLS and Nürburgring 24 um, in previous years. And then Sam DeHaan, I want to say British GT. Might have some GT4 stuff, but I do recognize that name in with the Mercedes. Isn't Fabian Schiller currently driving a P2 car in some world championship that I'm trying to remember? Is he, driving, uh, is he driving for WRT in the World Endurance Championship? Or am I just completely pulling that out of my bum? Is I mean, that Colapinto, Kupitsa, and, or is it a different driver lineup for MLMS? It is, a, it is an entirely different driver lineup. I'm, oh, okay. That's, I'm that's... fairly sure it is Fabian Schiller. I'm just going to double check. Um, Team WRT. It's not Fabian Schiller. I messed that up. Where where have I seen his name before? Very he's in. No, it's a it's it's Fab, a Fabio Schiller who's driving for United, not Fabian Schiller. Ah, how yeah, could Fabian, I have, yeah. how could I have made Fabian, such a glaring mistake? Fabian Schiller came third in LMP two at Daytona. Oh, there you go. And he drove at uh, Nurburgring, and he's driven. At Paul Ricard this year as well. So, and he came fourth in casting too. So, very solid. Now we get down to the, we've got two Porsches to round out the entry list. Both very intriguing cars to me. You've got the 61 Earl Bamba Motorsport Giga Racing Machine with Adrian De Silva from Malaysia, Reed Harker from New Zealand, Will Bamba, brother of Earl from New Zealand, and Carlos Rivas from Luxembourg. This is a very interesting car that, with names that people probably don't know. I I know Will. I've seen Will race before. He's very good. It takes He's after his good. younger brother. Yeah, take, he's taken a seat back from most motorsport now to actually run Ilbamba Motorsport. Uh, good to see him actually back on, back behind the wheel. I st- I want to see a race where Will and Earl share a car. I remember. That's... Did the pair of them share a nine eleven Cup car? at the Bathurst 12 hour like five years ago or was always maybe will driving that car and Earl was driving a different car it may have even been the Grove racing car um that one of them was driving may have been um but the other drivers here um Chris do you have any idea about any of these guys so I think Reed Reed Harker races domestically in the North Island Endurance Series. Has, I want to say I've seen his name. Has, has okay. done. Has done. He's also yep. raced in Kura Cup Asia as well. Right. That's also where I've seen him. And Will hmm. Bamber, obviously, another name to that list. Um, but the other, I believe Carlos Rivas, I want to say he races in Porsche Carrera Cup Deutschland. Uh, I believe that's where I've heard his name 
thrown around a little bit, but Adrian Henry De Silva. I never heard of that guy before. He races for EBM and Procura Cup Asia as well. Okay, so um, this is kind of like the Carrera Cup squad. Basically, yeah. I'm guessing this is Ilbam Motorsport going, right, we've got nothing to do for this time of year. We miss Bathurst. Let's go have a crack at Spa. Yeah, I mean, um, why, why the hell not, right? Exactly. And I think it's a good move. And I think uh, this team is actually going to be based out of Australia or New Zealand in the near future. I heard rumors that he was going to take it out of Malaysia. Well, so we'll claim some paid. Some claims for patriotism there. Are they also running? Well, I, I know that they're definitely running a, uh, a pair of nine eleven Cup cars in the Australian Carrera Cup Championship. One for Matt Pace and mm-hmm. another for a female driver whose name escapes me. I bel- I, I think her name is. Uh... Does she do a lot of waltzing? I I mean I wish. Let's let's have a look. So it is Matthew Payne. I got close. Matthew Payne, uh, who did very well in Townsville uh, very recently for the the last round of the Carrera Cup Championship, and then I'm trying to remember the. Uh, this is all extra fluff that can definitely be cut out of the <laughs> the podcast later. Absolutely. Uh, either way, we know this car is going to be not up the front, but it's going to be cool to just watch them go around. Uh, I want to talk about the 911, though, the Herbeth Motorsport Porsche, because this car, Alfred Renauer, Robert Renauer, and Tarasau, and Daniel Alman. It's Herbeth our, Motorsport are got, always thereabouts. It's our favourite German AM team. <laughs> Living up to Pro-Am, because I have to, because Robert Renauer's a gold. Bloody right. No, this is this is good fun. Uh, I love seeing the, the Renaults out on track. They are great racers in their own right. And Robert actually has quite a bit of skill behind him, which is kind of nice. Um, Antares Al is a name I remember, I think, from KCMG in recent times. Um, and then yep. Daniel Alleman, I have no idea about. Yeah, Antares Al, he's listed as a UK driver on my list for some reason, but I'm pretty sure he's from Hong Kong. Yes. Just a quick aside, what did I say the, the female driver's name was for Earl Bamber? Matilda something? Oh, I got close. It's Madeline. It's Madeline Stewart. So I got close. Ah, yes. Yes, of course. And Antares Al, he brings the money to the team. Is and... it not the Renaults that bring the money to the team? Oh, he brings he brings money to the team yeah. as well. He's the vice president of Lehman Brothers Asia. <laughs> and Daniel Alleman, Chris, you got any idea on him? Yeah, and her, her birth, obviously... Um very dominant and preventic that's their kind of style um they don't really see much other success outside of that apart from uh gt masters so it's gonna be interesting to see how they fare in the pro amp cup for sure i don't think they're the quality of some of the other driver lineups so i want you guys to pick me a top three obviously the two ferraris are going to be strong the af corsa who else have you got uh, so I'll, I'll go first with this one if you don't mind, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go, uh, so 52, oh, sorry, 53, um, the Miguel Molina, Duncan Cameron, Rina Mastronati, Matt Griffin. All those guys have ACO racing experience, so that's going to be a step up from uh, regional GT racing, uh, essentially. Um, I've also chucked in the number 188, the Garage 59 car, uh, Charlie Eastwood and Johnny Adam uh, carrying along Chris Goodwin and Alex West, I think having a platinum drive is going to be a, a good in that respect i kind of want to say the number 52 but i'm nervous about bronze drivers that i know nothing about so i'm going to avoid them for the moment 
and go for number oh let's let's be patriotic number 61 evm giga racing team why not why not indeed even though it has no connection to australia well adrian henry de silva is racing under an australian license so (laughs) that counts that counts and you're just lucky we don't annex you already Chris, before I slap <laughs> mother on the head, you're next. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to say I'm going to go with the number... Mm, this is tough. Number 53. Um, we go with number, number, uh, number 20. Then I'm going to... I'm going to go with the, uh, this is tougher than I thought. Uh, let's go with the 188. Ah, oh, great yeah. minds. Great minds think alike. Yeah, so why are you two thinking alike? Oof. Ouch. All right. Yikes. So I'm just, looking at the, I'm just looking at the time. We've been going for nearly two hours, so we've got two clusters to go through. We better fly through these. We have a 17-car Silver Cup class, which is a crazy class in its own right. We've got... One Aston Martin again from Garage 59, spreading themselves really thin. Well, not really thin, but spreading themselves throughout all the classes. Uh, Valentin Hasseklot is the name that sticks out from this car, as well as Alex Medell and, oh God, Nikolai Kajagard. I, I am pretty, I'm pretty sure you don't pronounce the J there. I'm pretty sure it's Kajagard. 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 I'm not, I don't build Lego. I'm not Danish. That's, oh, that's not even the... Oh. Uh, Alex, Alex Medell and Val- Valentin Hasklot are names that I recognise. So mm-hmm. that's uh, probably from running Garage 59 Aston Martins. I like yes. And Valentin Hasklot, I believe, also races French GT. That's, uh, there you go. Okay. Then we have a four-car four armada from Audi. The number 27 Santa Lock Racing with two drivers so far, Alexandre Cognard and Aurelien Panis, son of Olivier. Oh, the driver still to be named there. Now, is Alexander Cognard, is that the same? No, that's Cogny, not Cognard. How could I make such a, a <laughs> devastating mistake? Uh, I was about to ask if that was the same guy as the cool racing guy, but apparently not. No, definitely not. Then we have uh, two Audis from Team WRT. The number 30 with James Paul, Stuart Hall, and Benjamin Gotha, the, the Monogast driver. And the 31 with Richiuro Tomita. No, from me, I've murdered that name. Ruri Chiro. Ruri Chiro Tamita. There Frank we go. Frank Bird and Valdemar Eriksson. And the number 99, Attempto Racing. Three drivers so far. Fabian Laverne, Alex Ecker, and Max Hoffer. So you, you might notice if you're listening that we haven't really been saying too much because all of these names are kind of new and scary to us. And the reason <laughs> for that is the Silver Cup is... Basically, the development class, uh, the idea being that you don't have any Platinums, you have a, a, a basically a glut of silver drivers, which means for a lot of for a lot of them, it's either up-and-coming young drivers who haven't achieved a pro ranking yet, or uh, experienced <laughs> amateur drivers who want to race without professionals. It's, it's generally more of the former, truth be told. So, for example, yep. out of those three Audi drivers, I recognize Fabian Laverne and Stuart Hall, and probably from them running Silver Cup for a bunch of years. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll go through this, and if we pull out names, we'll see uh, what we'll stop and chat. The next car is actually the only Bentley in the race, I believe. The 107 CMR machine. 
uh, with Nelson Pantiatici, Stuart White, and Jules Vanille. That is a weird card to have Nelson Pantiatici in. Yes, it is. And uh, this what? Go ahead. Sorry. He's one of the only gold drivers in this class as well. Yeah, and he's a very established gold driver as well. He's someone who's raced in Alpine in the past, uh, uh, raced at Le Mans in the LMP2 category, and is has a lot of experience and uh, clout behind him. So, yeah, weird car. <laughs> it's just weird to me to see Bentley with the one car this year. After we've seen them dominate for so long, or not dominate, but seen them in their present force for so long. Well, remember, they've closed their GT3 program entirely now. True, this is true. Sad face. Uh, we have one Ferrari in this field from Rinaldi Racing. Of course, Rinaldi have a silver cup car. Fabrizio Cristani, David Perel, and Benja Haitis. Haitis? Haitis? Italian? Uh, he, I believe he's actually Chilean, but racing under an Italian license. Huh. There you go. Uh, David Perel is a name that you would recognize if you've watched GT3 racing before. That That's all I have. <laughs> yep. Uh, we've got three Lambos in this field. The 14 from Emil Frey Racing, those guys again. Alex Fontana, Rolf Eniken, Ricardo Fowler. There's your There's names I know. <laughs> there, there they are. <laughs> I know those oh, guys. You know those guys. Ever present in this Emil Frey Racing team, especially Rolf Eniken. And he's incredibly solid for a silver. All of them, in fact, are incredibly solid yes. for silver drivers. And as we talked about before, Ricardo Fowler has had a pretty good season so far. So what's he doing in Silver Cup? Maybe that he thinks it's a better chance for a class victory running a silver cup. Maybe. But yeah, so that's a car definitely to watch. Then we move on to the sixteen Grasser Racing Team machine. Uh Alberto Maria de Falco, Clem Schmidt, Tim Zimmerman, and Kiko Galbati. Galbiati. 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 Uh Tim Zimmerman, I believe, races uh, the GRT for the IMSA program. Oh, there you go. Yeah, nice. And Clem Schmidt, we know he's good. Yeah, so Clem Schmidt is one of those drivers. Remember how I talked about Matteo Jaminet as a driver who made the transition from a super silver to a good gold driver uh, very well? Mm-hmm. Clement Schmidt is kind of an example of one that didn't make that transition all that smoothly. So he was a silver driver racing for HRT. Uh, so, no, HTP. Um, so running alongside Maxi Book, I think, in the Blank Pan Endurance Series uh, and the Blank Pan Sprint Series. Uh, this is back three or four seasons ago. And then since then, hasn't really kicked on to be a full professional uh, uh, since mm. he's been upgraded to gold. So very, very, very skilled driver, but there, there's an additional wealth of responsibilities that comes with being a gold driver, like having the lion's share of the uh, the driving time and having to be the one really putting the setup together and qualifying. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, one of those things that some people... Uh, driving the car is one skill, and then doing everything else about being a pro driver is another skill entirely. And so Clement Schmidt uh, hasn't been the one to make that transition smoothly, but it's good to see him driving in something competitive, hopefully. For sure. Now, the, la- the last Lamborghini from the Silver Cup class is a team I don't recognise. The Triple Six VS Racing. Uh, Glenn Van Berlo, Baptiste Moulin, Yuki Nemoto, and Martin Rump. Chris, do you know anything about these guys or this car? 
I believe Yuki Nomoto was was he also with the uh, team Japan in the, the, the world game the world cup? He may have been. Um, I know VS Racing. I believe this team used to race in the Asian Le Mans Series Championship a couple a couple years ago. Um, I believe Martin Rump. Now this is dating myself. Um, he used to race in the. Formula Master China How series. are you dating yourself? You're the youngest <laughs> one here by a not insignificant margin. By half a decade. You may need 21, I'm getting old. <laughs> Christ. I started I have... this podcast when I was 21, Chris. That's how long ago it's been. I have food in my fridge that's older than you. Well, that, wow. That, that's, that's, <laughs> uh, that's an Oceania use. <laughs> Oceania? Shut up, Chris. Shut up, Chris. I'm moving on before this gets crazy. <laughs> so yeah, VS Racing, we'll see. We have a fleet of Mercedes, six of them. Uh, HRT helped racing team with their four stellar drivers, Indy Donche, Hubert Haupt, Patrick Asenheimer, Bacali Beretta. More drivers that we know! <laughs> to me, that's the, that's the class of this lineup. It's it's pretty close. I don't want to say it's yeah. quite the classiest lineup, but it's pretty close. Uh, it's certainly going to be one in the top three of the uh, of the race come the end for Silver Cup, provided nothing untoward happens. Mm. Because because all, is... all, all four of those drivers are known quantities and longtime GT three runners. So this is oh, like sure. remember how I said it was like a combination of uh, older drivers who are. Experienced amateurs and then young up and coming, not yet professionals. This is the latter, uh, the first category, the older, very experienced drivers. Yep. Then we come to the number seven, Talksport WRT. So we're linking with W Racing Team. Uh, Berkeley Bessler, Oscar Tunja, Paul Petit, and Marvin Deist. That is a name I not heard for a little while. Yeah, good to see him back. Yeah, so Marvin Deinst is a driver who raced in a Porsche in the GTM ranks for uh, Dempsey Proton Racing uh, three years, three seasons ago, 2018, if I recall correctly. Was quick, but not incredibly quick. Uh, was kind of overshadowed by both Julian Anlauer and uh, Matteo Cairoli that season, if I remember. Yeah. yeah. Then we come to the 40 SBS Automotive. Mercedes with Luke, no, sorry, Lance, David, Arnold, Yannick Mettler, Michaela Spawn, and Jordan Love. There's a name we know, folks. Yeah. Used to, uh, Jordan Love, Porsche Career Cup Australia champion, I believe. Oh, wow. Uh, tried to climb, uh, obviously, Porsche, they, they find a, uh, probably not enough room in the Porsche camp, so he decided to join Mercedes. I mean, Earl Bamba, Jordan Love, who are you going to pick? Oh, when you put it like that, oh, I'm going to yeah. pick, yeah, Elbin. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, good to see him get a gig, though. Um, it being really sticking at this American, or this European uh, sojourn, so it, I hope he can make something of it, because he's this very solid driver. Um, and he, we have a lot of Career Cup Australia drivers that, that progress up the lank, ranks and then make it big in Europe. He hasn't done it yet, but... I'm hoping it's a matter of time. Yeah, fingers, arms, legs, toes, and eyes crossed. Mm. Indeed. The 57 Winwood Racing Car has three drivers so far, none of whom I know, Russell Ward, Michael Grenier, and Philip Ellis. Then we get to the 87 Acker ASP, Simon Gachet, 
Konstantin Tereshenko and Thomas Drouet. So I believe those three drivers would be recognisable from LMP3 competition, either in Michelin Le Mans Cup or in European Le Mans Series? I think... I'm, I'm just going to say that's Mikhail right. 57, I believe that's IMSA, guys. Uh, we're, Russell we're, Ward. We're already, we've already skipped to the 87. Oh, uh, Konstantin Tereshenko used to race uh, Europe Formula Open, dominated that championship, tried to go to GP3, uh, became known as the guy who really literally launched in the air at the uh, bus stop at Spa. Um, that, oh, shit. that was him. Um, and he made the switch to sports cars uh, probably the year after that. Uh, but he's been in the Mercedes uh, Pro-Am, I believe. He's been full-time in the World Challenge. So, And that's where he's been. The other two guys, I, I believe Simon might be, since this is an ACA car, uh, French GT, ACA ASP, very involved in that championship. Uh, and maybe for Thomas Durow as well. Okay. And then we get down to the last Mercedes, the best team name in motorsport, Mad Panda Motorsport. Yuck. <laughs> what? I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> Ricardo Sanchez, Scudio, Ezekiel Perez, Patrick Kujalia. Oh my God, it's Patrick Kujula. Have you never Kujula. watched a blank paint or SRO race? <laughs> Not well sick deprived. Oh, blimey. And, and Rick Breukers. That is one solid lineup of unpronounceable names. And that's a very, a very well-established, very well-known team. Yeah. So uh, all of these drivers yeah. would be uh, names that you would recognize if you've watched uh, GT3 racing at length. Um, Rick Brokers, of course, uh, has a special connection with us here at Endurance Chat. Uh, it was his younger brother, Luke, who was the hookup or the link that allowed us to sponsor the Creventic 12 Hours of Bruno in 2019. Uh, so the two-year anniversary of that was only some months ago. So uh, we have a special connection to the Brokers, and it's good to see Rick uh, racing something competitive. Uh, yeah, good team, good lineup, good yeah. fun, good car. Yeah, indeed, yes. indeed. Bad and is this Ricardo Sanchez? Was is he the one that raced the LMP2 a couple of years back in WEC? That was that team? R- Ricardo Gonzalez. Okay. Or was it Roberto Gonzalez? It's, it, I, I'm pretty sure it was a Gonzalez, not a Sanchez. Well, yeah. let me move to the one driver that you know, Ezekiel uh, Perez, uh, raced uh, Lamborghinis for the longest time for those couple of years in the GT World Challenge and did quite well. Yes. Mm. And the last car on the Silver Cup list, the 222 Team Allied Racing Porsche, Bassian Burst, Lars Kern, and Julian Apothoyers, uh, with no, with one more driver still to come there. Solid, Lars Kern we know, Julian Apothoyers we know somewhat. Do we? Oh, I do. Okay. I recognise that name. I, he's I, also I, ra- I don't. <laughs> he's also a gold-ranked driver, so he's got to be somewhat talented, right? Oh, boy. Okay. And so, Chris, that, that one's probably not the quality of the others, I'd say. No, Lars Kern is probably, once again, a driver development kind of guy. Um, mm-hmm. Training, you know, showing, obviously, we got a silver and a gold, so they're not completely new. But Team Allied Racing, I heard that team name before. I, I believe, I just don't know where it came from. But yeah. that, I wouldn't say it's going to be the strongest lineup. Yeah, Julian Apatholes actually came third in 2019 at Spa in the TCR 500. Huh. There you go. So, there you go. Um, so, 
there's your 17 car lineup. Who's going to win it? Oh, I was taking notes for other categories, but I forgot for this one. Let's just have a quick look. Um, I think it's going to be a competition between uh, the number five help racing team car featuring Mr. Help and the number 90 Mad Panda Motorsport Mercedes. So I'm sticking very much in the Mercedes garage. Oh, and possibly Emil Frey. They're, they're my yeah. three picks. I was going to say Emil Frey, I think, are the top pick for me. I, uh, but I'm not prepared to rule out Grasser Racing by any stretch. Racing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, huh. I guess. I'm surprised that you haven't uh, looked harder at Nightmare, uh, at Mad Panther or H- HRT. I think they're the, the standout ones for me, just because they are all known yeah. quantities. Yeah, they stand. They are standouts. That's why I'm not picking them, because I want to be different. You are. Yes. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Of- what do you think? I'm going to go with another wild pick. I'm going to go with last year's AM Cup champion, CMR Bentley. Ha. Huh. That is that is bold. <laughs> that is that is bold, underlined, and... Emphasized. Wow. Em- very much emphasized. We have three cars just to talk about. The AM Cup. Uh, these 12 drivers... There's a couple of the other names that we know. There's a 36 from Walking Horse Motorsport. The silver drivers there, Frederick Bold, Van Bolen, and Daniel Yont. Donald Yont. Uh, Donald Jumps, not Daniel. Donald, I can't read. It's too late in the morning. <laughs> the number 23, Huber Motorsport Porsche. And, uh, uh, just Hang have, on. You just yeah. completely skipped over Mr. Walking Horse himself in that number 36 car. I was going, I was going to do that in a second. Oh, whatever. <laughs> yes. The number 23, Huber Motorsport Porsche. Uh, the silver drivers there, Jacob Schell and Nico, Nico Menzel. And then the 166, now this is going to trip me up, Hagiali by T2 Racing. I'm not um, even going to bother. Yeah, Mark Bassing's your silver driver there. So the, the 12 drivers here, you mentioned there's yes, obviously Henry Vorkenhorst, Mr. Vorkenhorst in the 36. Um, Nico Menzel is a very solid silver in that 23 machine. And Mark Bassing's is also very solid in the 166. So... <clears throat> That's a, it's only three cars, so it's tough to pick a winner there, isn't it? Yeah, and and part of <laughs> it is it's because it's such a small class, it is much more a variable in what can happen. Mm. Um, it, it, a lot more unknown quantities, uh, AM drivers who uh, are going to make mistakes. It, it's it's very difficult to pick a winner in this class. Uh, let's see. Uh, all, all three of these teams I have competed in the 24 hours of Nürburgring, just to about about two months prior, month and a half prior, uh, Hubert Motorsport did, did didn't do uh, too bad, if I remember correctly. Uh, obviously, Vulcan Horse, obviously an everlasting uh, presence, and then T uh, two Racing. Um, I'm not sure how well they did. Um, probably middle of the pack towards the back, but um, De- what catches my eye is Dennis Bush. In the uh, 166, if that if if I'm thinking because there's a different type of Bush Brothers in Germany, and whenever there's a Bush Brother racing in a car, they normally have a very bright yellow and uh, blue sort of chromish livery with the Bush, uh, not the Bush beer, but a different Bush company logo in a uh, white circle on the side. So it's gonna be interesting to see what that livery looks like come uh, race week. 
Um, I'm not going to even try to pick a winner there. It's going to come down to who makes the least mistakes. So I reckon the 36 Henry Vaughan horse is probably... But also Nick and... I don't know. Anyway, I'm still talking crap about the... Anyone. Pick a random generator and there you go. <laughs> so that's our 58-car grid. Uh, this race is always a highlight of the year for me. I can't wait to watch it. Um, track action actually starts on Tuesday this year with the bronze test. So quite early in the week. Uh, the Then we have practice qualifying, night qualifying. And then, Chris, we have a shootout as well, don't we? Yes, I believe the top 20 cars will advance from regular qualifying. Uh, I believe regular qualifying falls on that uh, uh, either late Thursday or, or, or Friday, early Friday. And then the, the, the shootout is the finale of the day after the support races go on through, which I believe the support races this year, uh, definitely GT4 European Series, uh, TCR Europe, um, Lamborghini Super Trofeo Europe, and there might be one or two more. I'm forgetting, of course, the, the, the Stefan Vettel uh, famous press conference on the Friday. I would assume they're, that's still going to be a thing where they announce all their plans and uh, ideals of what they want to do for the upcoming years. And normally we get some very big uh, announcements for that. And, and we'll see how that goes. Mm. And the best thing about this weekend... There'll be fans in attendance. Well, I hope so. I hope the the floods don't uh, oh, mean yes. that we would, there's uh, infrastructure damage that won't allow fans there. But that's really, really good. Uh, uh, really, really cool to see that the, the they're allowing some some people in to watch some racing mm. in person. It's, it's good. It's good that this is happening again, especially on yeah. the other side of the world when we're in friggin' lockdown. Yeah, the um, as I said, they're operating in three bubbles, so you can either go to the source. La Source Urouge Bubble, Urouge Le Com Bubble, or Le Com Double Gouch Bubble. And you can't move from there. So you have to pick where you want to race from. That's nice. That's that's, that's, nice. that's, that's a smart way of doing things. Yeah. So it's a, so it'd be great right to have fans back. Um, if you're going, make sure you get a PCR test and test negative before you do go. Because they actually require that on entry. There you go. Yeah. So, um, and race time is actually starts 4.30pm local on Saturday the 31st of July. Uh, head to the IGTC website for information about times in your area because you can do that or you can download the Racing Line app and yeah. do that for you for much easier. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and an interesting thing about this race, which I don't think applies to many other races around the world, is that you do need a perfect race to win at Spa 24 because mm. there are just too many good teams. You can't just... Uh, lock your way into a, a, a good position. You really do need to run a perfectless race because if you don't, someone else will. For sure. And there's so many variables at this track. And like I said before, if you're going to go lap down your stuff, so you have to be... We've said, we've said it many times. It's a 24-hour sprint race. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is, it is the epitome is... of the 24-hour sprint race. Oh, for sure. Uh, and I can't wait to get the action started. Hell so... yeah! Hell yeah. So with that in mind, uh, make sure you get onto the Racing Line app. Make sure you do your Fantasy WEC. Make sure you get into the Discord. Make sure you get on the scratch pad. We'll have that set up again. Make sure you behave yourselves. And uh, Chris, thank you for joining us tonight. It's been great to have you along. Yeah, no problem. It's been it's been fun talking about another 
24 hour race and just to think after spa we only have what a three actually no two week break and that's lamar oh my race god week. don't remind me <laughs> it's all happening so quickly yeah um enjoy enjoy watching the us lose to the kiwis in the soccer bro <laughs> oh, fucking sod off <laughs> enjoy watching um, the us lose to the australians in the soccer as well and michael thank you very much as always for joining me thanks for making my first one back an enjoyable one yeah well thanks for coming back i thought we'd lost you to the ether but thank you for coming back and thank you very much everyone for listening we will do a wrap-up of aco spec racing at some point before le mans happens i hope fingers arms legs toes and eyes crossed it is just all happening very very quickly at the moment and we will have our usual run-up to le mans with our entry list analysis and a little bit of a different introductory podcast this year, but we'll, we'll get to that when that comes. Indeed we will. Uh, until then, we'll uh, catch you next time. I'm Chris Riddell. Peace out. Kazoo! This feels weird. <laughs> I know, right? All right, podcast over. Security, can we get this Kiwi guy out of here?